For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Paperwise, this morning, um, there is a story that I'll come back to in a few minutes' time with uh, the journalist Olivia Kelleher. Um, there are quite a number of court reports making the papers today. It's kind of an update with this um, this uh, heroin that's been sold on Leaside. You know, the very dangerous heroin-type product known as nitazine, a synthetic opioid. Well, there is uh, allegations now made um, against a particular individual by the name of Josh McGuinness, who makes the papers today. No fixed address, originally from, from Dublin. Uh, he was uh, charged with dealing heroin and cocaine on Oliver Plunkett Street in Cork. And as they say, in the, I'm reading the court report from Liam Hill in the Echo this morning, this is a Dublin man allegedly confessing to Gardaí that he was responsible for the recent epidemic of heroin overdoses in Cork. That's what the Cork, the Cork Court heard yesterday. I'll say no more about it for now because I will talk about it a little later on this morning. But there's quite a lot of different aspects to criminality on Lee's side this morning with both the Examiner and the Echo. The Examiner looking at it more nationally, the Echo kind of more from a Cork perspective with regards to um, retailers having to hire more and more security personnel um, right across the year, but particularly at Christmas, at a huge cost to them because of theft. Uh, in fact, I see Liam Ryan, um, the man behind several super value stores, quoted in the Echo this morning saying that shoplifters are in and out in three or four minutes. They know exactly what they want. It's specific. It's always high value items and they're in and out fast. They're not lounging around looking at things, wondering what they'll rob. They know it's planned. The research has been done. He describes them as serious criminals who could rob up to a thousand euro a time. He said that expensive spirits are among the most common items taken and that he has no doubt that they're stealing to sell them on cheaply. So that's a front and inside page story in the Echo today with regards to sophisticated crime. And then there is the saddest of all stories at Christmas time. Of course, kids that are sending letters to Santi hoping that their Christmas gifts will be uh, will be delivered uh, under the tree. And of course, uh, the parents of those children are struggling and continuing to struggle. It's a story uh, that evolves around the volunteers and the staff at Cork Penny Dinners. Uh, Katrina Toomey talks to the Echo uh, on a mission to ensure that every letter to Santi gets answered after the heartbreaking requests that are coming across at Cork Penny Dinners from children across the city. Um, and it just seems as if Penny Dinners gets busier and busier as every year passes. And it's absolutely bizarre that things get worse and worse. When you see headlines in the papers, uh, like the front of, may give you an example this morning, say like, for instance, the front of this morning's mail, where they say, we have a war chest of cash, a war chest, 2.5 billion could and probably will be spent next year on flood relief schemes, roads, cycleways, footpaths, hospitals, schools, uh, all paid for with this windfall of tax that was never expected but was delivered up by the businesses in Ireland. 2.5 billion. It makes absolutely no sense to me. And I understand all of these projects are probably important, but nothing is more important than children and families and poverty and homelessness and homes and health. Surely be to God. Or am I missing something somewhere? Your thoughts are welcome on that. Text 0868104106. And don't talk to me about that 2.5 a billion. For 17 years, Sally Hanlon has been running the Cork-based Victim of Crime Service. They have to shut because funding has been cut. They've been caught up in this quagmire of paperwork and bureaucracy and box ticking, like many other companies do. Go and ask a crash 
or a play school or a, you know, and I suppose to some extent it's kind of needed. I understand that. Go ask maybe, um, uh, you know, a, a nursing home or those caring for the elderly. It's important that we have rules and regulations, but the amount of paperwork that people are drowning under. Anyway, by all accounts, Support After Crime will close its doors after 17 years in January. It's a story making the examiner this morning. I will come back to it this morning and talk with Sally Hanlon. God knows I've spoken to her on many occasions and each and every one of those 17 years of the work that they did. They have two full-time staff, but they have lots and lots of volunteers. So that's very, very sad, isn't it? Particularly at a time... For, I, know, I, know, you know, I know that um, everybody uh, you know, can make a plea for funding, but God knows you think that victims of crime would be right up there with regards to how can we help you? How much do you need? Can we help with your funding? But it's not that way. There's a story in the papers also today in the Examiner where there was some really, uh, it's very, very worrying when you hear of misdiagnoses, isn't it? And this is the story of a Cork woman claiming she was misdiagnosed with cancer as a teenager and then had to endure toxic chemotherapy uh, since then. Uh, well, that went all the way to the High Court, represented by her senior counsel, John O'Mahony. She was 17 when she received the lymphoma diagnosis at the Bonds, having been admitted for abdominal pain. Uh, and on and on it went. Um, you know, the two diagnoses were, she got different diagnoses. It's, it's quite a complex case, but it all kind of centred around the fact that they all believed that this was a misdiagnosis of cancer. And the court report this morning says that there was a settlement uh, as a result of it um, um, and the papers today go into it in quite an amount of detail where the amount of 1.9 million euro uh, was was mentioned. There's a lot of money related stories making the papers today as you've probably gathered. Uh, house prices rise 20 grand in one year. You can be damn sure they do and probably even more. If you've got phases of different building developments and there's maybe two or three phases over the course of a calendar year, you can be sure that the increases between phases would be between 20 and 30,000 per phase. So in some cases you'd have house prices rising by a lot more than 20 grand. I would say 40 and 50 grand is possibly a little more accurate. And other money related stories, the UK Times this morning says that Shane McGowan left 10 grand behind the bar, his favourite bar in County Tipperary. Um, And that was for all of those that came to his wake and indeed his funeral. A lovely kind gesture. I suppose he wanted people to celebrate his life uh, with a couple of drinks and he left 10 grand behind the bar. And this I mean, this is a story that I found online this morning. It's Nicholas Pushk. He's the 80-year-old heir to the Hermes fortune. You know Hermes? H-E-R-M-E-S. Please tell me I'm right when, they, when I say they make perfume and fashion and bags and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, so, like, what would, what would his fortune be? Um, well, $11 billion, actually. $11 billion. And he's only gone and left it to his gardener. And his handyman. Now, there's an awful lot of funny quirks and uh, online as to, you know, <laughs> might really be behind this story. Some of them are quite nasty and cruel, actually. But I don't know how many relatives he has, you know, second or third or distant cousins. But $11 billion, the entire worth of Hermes, has been left <laughs> to Nicholas Push, the 80-year-old heir of Hermes fortune, to his um, former gardener and handyman. A 51-year-old unnamed man. I mean, could you imagine the life you would lead, like, from maybe a fairly... Imagine, I don't know how wealthy the gardener was, but I'm sure he wouldn't have had a huge amount in the bank account, but he does now, or he will soon. Like, 81 
or 11 million uh, from the 81-year-old. And then uh, other stories related to Christmas time and things like that. I see that the papers this morning are saying that the top Christmas car- carols, as in driving songs, Christmas driving. I would have thought, to be honest with you, it would be Chris Rea's uh, Driving Home for Christmas, but it's not. I mentioned Shane McGowan. Apparently they, they went out and they, they researched and asked a couple of thousand motorists, what's your favourite Christmas song to drive to? And it's Fairy Tale of New York, followed by Driving Home for Christmas, followed by Last Christmas by Wham. I wish it would be Christmas uh, Every Day by Wizard and Merry Christmas Everybody by Slade. I love the fact that, by and large, they're all the big dumping classics from yesteryear. Mind you, if you look, um, it's fair to say in the last 10 or 15 years, there hasn't been a whole lot of big, heavy-hitting new releases of Christmas songs. Sure, there hasn't. It's like as if they were all written a long time ago and they still stand the test of time. The papers are also talking this morning about whether or not there's going to be snow this side of Christmas. If I were to say that there won't, there probably will. And if I say that there will, there probably won't. But the other story is that real Christmas trees are the top trend this year, which I find quite bizarre because I was talking to the lads out in Hanley's uh, at the Kinsale Road roundabout when I was picking up my own tree uh, last week and the lads were telling me that they've noticed they they will sell uh, on a daily basis about 100 trees a day apparently. But one of the things that's flying off the shelf is the Machia trees of all sorts of colours and shapes. You can get red ones and white ones and green ones and black ones. But one of the lads was saying, what people have discovered is that if you're buying a, um, a real Christmas tree and it's costing you 50 or 60 euro, whatever the case may be, um, that's every year. Whereas if you buy a Machia one and you spend maybe 150 euro on it or 200 euro, you have it for many, many years. But it's just not the same thing, isn't it? It's just not the same at all. Uh, but anyway, that's apparently there's, papers say there's a move towards real Christmas trees. My understanding from those that are selling them is that the Machia ones are flying out the door. Uh, There's an interesting take on Christmas dinner making the sun today. It's this mother in the UK, Katie Fox. Um, She's been on social media uh, testing a controversial idea where everything for the Christmas dinner would go on a kebab skewer. Whatever you have in yourself, I wouldn't be interested in it. I never understand the logic of serving stuff on skewers because all you end up doing, well, it's fine maybe to cook them on skewers uh, because all you got to do is, is, is drag them off the skewer before you can eat them. But how would you fancy a big lump of turkey, a couple of roast spuds, a few Brussels sprouts, some way of getting the stuffing onto a kebab stick? Um, then I assume then a bit of ham would be stuck on it. Oh, yeah. And then you would dollop the gravy the gra- all over the kebab stick. I was going to say, how are you going to put the gravy on there? Lad, 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 as they'd say in y'all. Lad, <laughs> lad, lad. Uh, you, you wouldn't be really wearing good clobber sitting down to that at Christmas Day because you'd be destroyed trying to eat it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but sure, you'd probably be destroyed already from the soup that you'd had for the starters. So let's not worry about that side of it. I, I kind of like it. I think it's kind of a quirky way to... No, to, no, down with all that modern uh, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, down, down with, with modern that. life. Modern life is rubbish. Is Throw now it up on the plate and make sure the plate is warmed. <laughs> or send it I back. Kinda like, I kind of like, I have to say though, like, you eat it the, the nice, boring, cr- traditional, sensible boring, way. Boring. Boring. I love it. Traditional, sensible. No way. L- l- you know, efficient way on Christmas Day and then you just throw all caution to the wind on Stephen's Day and stick everything on the skewer. Go and do it then. Do, go and do it. So I'm Christmas not in charge day. of so Christmas Go and do it. I'm not going to turn around oh, to Mary okay. Galvin and tell her how to cook her own, cook her own Christmas dinner. Are you joking me? All right, okay. The woman knows exactly what she's doing. She doesn't need any advice from me. Okay, one last one this morning apparently. Is it any wonder that Santa Claus is actually able to drive or steer the reindeers and the sleigh at Christmas time? When you look at the amount of alcohol that the man is consuming, the son is saying that he has two million alcoholic drinks on the big night alone. Two million drinks. 
And there was I was thinking the people are leaving out milk as the lactose intolerant. I don't know what's yeah, wrong with that. But whiskey apparently is Santa Claus's most popular beverage, and he sings five hundred and eleven thousand whiskies on the one night and he gets through 436 bottles or cans of beer um, nearly 290,000 sherries and 220,000 glasses of wine and 216,000 brandies Jesus. These <laughs> sounds like a night out for Shane McGowan doesn't so, it? Uh, <laughs> well I mean in fairness like even Shane McGowan wouldn't be able to down that much <laughs> in a night in fairness to him so. but like, um, it's like these are the drinks that people so people are actually leaving these drinks out yeah I don't think I don't think Santy drinks all of them though I mean he might have he do he uh, he might have a sip but like I don't know but he, how many carrots then does Rudolph actually consume? Yeah, I, and the I, reindeers. I my my suspicion is that Santy uh, takes them with him. Do you know no, he, he has like a little bottle to take him with him? You're losing your mind. No, I he think he's like, going back to the North Pole. He decants and the whiskey into a bottle. That yeah, keeps him going for the rest of the year. Yeah, Santy I'll drinks just, it. He drinks it in the house inside in the front room. He might have a, he might have a bit of it, like. But I, I feel like <laughs> Santy takes some of it home for the rest of the day. Definitely Rudolph. I mean, can you imagine Rudolph's fitness plan if he had that many carrots in one night? <laughs> How is he supposed to? You know, I know you're burning off calories yeah, there. Seriously, right? had a reindeer nappy. I tell you that for sure. <laughs> anyway, your thoughts are welcome. Text story six eight one zero four one zero six. And I see also. Can I just mention? I'll come back to it a little later on this morning. That the bar staff on Lee Side have issued their guidelines to um, drinkers. Uh, going up to Christmas as to how they should behave when they enter a bar and when they approach the bar counter. Yorick has sent me a fantastic uh, PDF of the list of rules when you're approaching the bar. I'll give you one or two of them for now and more a little later on. Um, So to all of you that are heading into the pubs uh, over the Christmas period, this is on behalf of all of those that are serving you. Please remember to order your drinks one at a time as we like to run backwards and forwards all of the time to keep fit. Another one, when ordering a round of drinks, please enjoy sure that you do not know what you want when you arrive at the bar as we like to stand and wait while you nip backwards and forwards or shout across the room to find out. That's just two. There's lots more. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. We were talking uh, earlier this week about uh, nitazine, a potent and dangerous synthetic opioid, and it is causing overdoses, uh, particularly in major, um, I suppose, drug markets, the likes of Dublin and here in Cork. There's been 13 overdoses reported now by the HSE only in a matter of days from this product. This is a chemically created product. It is not from the poppy. And unfortunately, it is numerous times stronger. Some say 50, some say 80, some say even more uh, than morphine or indeed heroin. Uh, I mentioned that because we talked about it in detail earlier in the week, but a Dublin man has allegedly confessed to the Gardaí that he's responsible for the recent epidemic of heroin overdoses in Cork. Um, now, he hasn't pleaded, but was before the court yesterday. And that's where Olivia Kelleher, the journalist, was reporting from many of the papers this morning. Olivia, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Thanks for taking the call. What can you tell us about yesterday? Yesterday, a man called Josh McGuinness, he's a 30-year-old father of three, appeared before the district court. Um, he's originally from Rohini in Dublin. Um, he was charged with being in possession of cocaine and heroin for his own use and for sale and supply. Now, Detective Guard Derry O'Brien said that Mr. McGuinness was stopped on Oliver Plunkett Street on Tuesday morning. He was searched and he was found to be in possession of heroin with a street value of €2,000 and 
and crack cocaine worth a thousand euro. Um, he was detained in the Bridewell Garda station and Detective Garda Derry O'Brien said um, Mr McGuinness made certain disclosures when he was being held for questioning in the Bridewell. He said Mr McGuinness made admissions in relation to knowing that deals being sold were to blame for the recent epidemic of overdoses in Cork City of the past week. Um, he said when he rested, charged and cautioned um, McGuinness, he made no reply. Um, and then he also told uh, Judge Mary Dorgan that McGuinness was caught red-handed and that the drugs were broken down into into bags for dealing. Um, now, I suppose, as you say, it's important to say that he hasn't pleaded guilty to anything, that the, these are, you know, that it's alleged that he made this confession. So at this stage, it's only that he's been charged and the court also heard Neil that um, he has a severe crack cocaine habit of his own. So he's allegedly spending about 600 euro a day on drugs himself. I found that figure bizarre last night when I was yeah. reading it. That's like over four grand. That's over four grand a week. Yeah, so uh, and the, the detective guard um, O'Brien said that he often uses 15 to 20 deals of the drug mm. at a cost of 600 euro a day. There was an application for bail, I think, was there? There was an application for bail, but unsurprisingly, Gardaí objected to bail, I suppose, rising out of the seriousness of the charge. And Detective Gardaí O'Brien also said they were concerned about the possibility of um, the accused reoffending. And he also stressed um, that Gardaí were objecting to bail on the grounds of public safety. And um, he said his concern was that if McGuinness was granted bail, he'd go back to selling um, suspect bags of heroin. Um, Mr McGuinness was represented by solicitor Eddie Burke who um, said that his client suffered from serious mental health issues and was seeing a doctor every fortnight. Um, he said McGuinness lived with his mother in Rohini in Dublin but um, Detective Guard O'Brien said that he was, it was his belief that, his, um, that the accused was actually living in hostels in Dublin. Um, McGuinness went into the stand himself, um, Neil, and he said he'd abide by any conditions set down by the court um, in order to gain um, bail. Um, he said he'd sign on you know, regularly at the guard station, obey curfews, and um, he also ex- expressed his willingness um, to stay out of Cork. But Judge Mary Dorgan um, declined to grant bail in the case um, after she heard the evidence. She said she was conscious of the serious issue of the accused making drug use that were related to a large number of, allegedly related to a large number of overdoses mm-hmm. in court in recent days. So he's remanded in custody to appear before the court again on December 20th next. Mm-hmm. The cocaine was alleged to be... Uh Crack cocaine, I believe, 34 in, yeah, individual cocaine. small deals of crack cocaine and 21 deals of heroin. I wonder, I wonder at, the, at the same time, would they, you probably wouldn't even know the answer. I imagine they'd be sent for testing anyway, won't they, the drugs? You would assume that they'd be sent for testing to Forensic Science Ireland just to determine what were in, in the packages. And so, as you say, at the moment, uh, it, it's looking like crack cocaine, but I, I would imagine, would imagine uh, testing would establish further what's in the packages. Okay. Well, let the courts take their course back in court again on December 20th. Thank you so much happy for the update, you. Olivia. If, if I don't talk care. to you this side of Christmas, happy Christmas to you, you and too. all best your family. To you take care, sir. Bye bye. All the best, Olivia Kelleher. Um, so we'll leave that one there because the courts need to take their course. Quite a lot of uh, texts and comments from yesterday's program.
program on lots of different topics. A few actually with regards to, to buses and issues around buses. People were praising the West Cork Connect service yesterday. Got another one in. Um, West Cork Connect is a fantastic service. There are young people here who couldn't afford uh, to rent in the city for college. Instead, they put on an extra bus going from Skibbereen at quarter past six in the morning so they could make the lectures in Cork. For us, it's like winning the lotto down here for us, West Cork Connect. And it has made such a difference and made our lives so much easier. I was sick and had to travel for appointments and the driver, always pleasant, telling me to sit up the front and to let him know if I wasn't feeling well. I just love that. It's a great service connecting all of us down here in West Cork. God bless them, says Anna. And I imagine that Damien Long, the owner of West Cork Connect, will be very happy to hear that. Uh, remember, most of the drivers uh, at West Cork Connect came from Bus Aaron. Plus, they don't have to put up with unruly customers. I'm driving a bus now, so I can't come on, says John, as a bus driver for Bus Aaron, putting up with unruly customers. Mary says, I hope those bus drivers never change career and go into nursing. Uh, listen, there was only, there's only a few of them that are cranky, all right? And unfortunately, we often hear the squeaky wheel. But Mary says, I hope they don't change careers and go into nursing. There are some days when you'd be lucky to have a cup of tea in a 12-hour shift, says Mary. Never mind wondering about your lunch break. Uh, just listening to conversations about buses on Leaside, I recently was admitted to the A&D and the CUH. I was awake all night waiting to be seen. I was there all the following day, still with no sleep. I had to get medical intervention and was left out that evening. I live over an hour and a half from the city, down west. Went across to Wilton to catch a bus home. I only had my card on my phone, no cash. Bus air and bus pulled in. I explained my story and that I could only tap but that I could get cash at the other side from a family member who would collect me from the bus. Driver said, no, cash only. He closed the door, left me standing there, seriously ill, trying to get home. No sleep, shivering in the cold. Thankfully, an hour later, there was a West Cork bus connect, which was absolutely delighted to have me on board. Damien Long is doing super business for local clubs, etc., and the people of West Cork. I think that is a harrowing story, particularly if you told the bus errand bus driver your scenario, like you told me, that you were in the A&E, were there all night, all the following day, got medical intervention, didn't sleep, uh, were very sick and trying to get home, and the driver still said no, cash only and closed the door and drove off. I think that's awful. I hope something will be learned from reading out these texts about just being kind to people. Um, (laughs) Yesterday we spoke of Roy Keane and him saying that uh, Christmas presents are only for Santi and the kids and he doesn't give any Christmas presents to grown-ups. It looks like Roy Keane will never get give the postman or the postwoman or the bin collectors any Christmas presents either, will he? Because it's their job, which is what he said about Dynamo, actually, when Dynamo turned the burnt piece of paper into an ice cube on television and Keane says, it's his job. But you can tell that Keane is just... Acting the gaul. He's just having a laugh. I have five grown-up kids plus their partners. That's ten adults. They all have children. I'm a pensioner. I usually give them a gift for the whole family. This year, they will all get an eco-filter five-litre water system, which allows them to have clean, filtered water without changing the filter for three years. The Brita filters are a tenner for one. It's €120 a year. Costly, isn't it? Yes, it is for a pensioner. I get all my grandchildren their Christmas pyjamas and their slippers. As for myself, I ask them for Ikea vouchers. They all work so hard for their few bob. They have huge rent and mortgages. So for for me, 
Um, practicality is important. It's not what, what's around the tree, Neil. It's who's around the tree. So thank you for those texts. Keep them coming. Text 0868-104-106. Uh, back to the calls after the break. Hold on there. More to come. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Text 0868-104-106. Back to the phone lines we go. Um, uh, Martin Lee, he lives down in West Cork. He is the uh, singer, songwriter and community activist and uh, is a bit annoyed, I think, with particularly his own West Cork TD for accepting a lunch at the uh, US Embassy in Dublin. Martin, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are uh, you? What's the story behind this? Is it an annual Christmas lunch? What, like, what happens? Yeah, it's an annual Christmas uh, dinner, um, the US ambassador up in Dublin. Um, so this year it was um, boycotted by like most TDs, really. Um, it's no Sinn Féin TDs there, no Labour TDs, no Social Democrats, no PVP. Um, I think there was about six or seven uh, TDs they showed up to it. Okay. Um, the other ones, very, they boycotted it like they, they were invited, were they, and said no, the likes of Sinn Féin or Labour? Um, that's what I believe, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah, it, it felt very... Um, it felt like a, a kick in the guts to all the people who were out protesting every every week um, about the, the the situation in in Palestine, and um, for the local TD um, Michael Collins to to go there, and um, you know I suppose it, it, we all know the details of the um, uh, UN um, motion for a ceasefire last week and the USA um, blocking it. Mm. So we're talking about a ceasefire here to just. It's not even, you know, you can't bring back the people that are killed. You can't undo the destruction. It's just a call for it to stop. And they blocked that. And at the same time, Joe Biden has called for 14 billion. He's asked Congress for 14 billion, um, especially uh, for specifically for military aid for Israel, Israel. So that's to pump more bombs and bullets into Gaza destroy the place completely I mean it's pretty sick and and then just I find it disgraceful to go to a Christmas party which is what it was it was billed as it was it was, it was titled Joys of the Season um, and Breed Smith uh, put up a live video there the other night where she said that normally it's titled Peace at Christmas Time but they obviously had to drop that. They had year. to reword it, yeah, yeah, for yeah, ob- for yeah. obvious reasons. Uh, so, is, are you are you turning your t- attention primarily to, to Michael Collins or to all of those that went? To all of those, of course. But um, I suppose it it grates more when it's the local TD where um, every for the last two weeks there were on a Sunday evening at five o'clock we're having a vigil, singing songs in Bandon. Um, uh, with uh, people doing poetry, singing songs, like kind of putting our, you know, um, statements forward yeah. through song and yeah. poetry and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And uh, you know, and Michael Collins has an office there, so it it kind of it's it it creates kind of you know it's a, it, it creates even more to for for for. for well, you use the word disgrace, office. don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let me put that to yeah. Michael Collins, TD from West Cork, because he did go to the he did go to the American Embassy lunch. Michael, good morning. Good morning. Uh, why 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 would you go? Um, was there a particular reason, or was it free lunch, well, or what? Well, well, first of all, uh, Martin is wrong. It wasn't a dinner, but look, it doesn't matter. Well, was, what, uh, what, what, tell me what, what was it then? What was it? Yeah. 
Yeah, it was just a, we get two invitations every year to the American Embassy, first on July 4th and the second time at Christmas. I wasn't able to make the July 4th, unfortunately, uh, because it's hugely important for me as a politician to attend uh, the American Embassy and meet the American ambassador. Yeah, regardless of what Martin feels, that's what I will do as an elected representative of the people of, 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 of Wiscock and as a party leader uh, of Independent Ireland. Why, but, why is, but why is it important? Why do you have a duty to do that? Why is it important? Well, we can shut the doors if, if the politicians that are out there they want to shut doors. That's fine. They're, that's their belief that people who are profit the social Democrats, Labour, are showed them what it's building the ambassador into, into Ireland, uh, the Israeli ambassador into Ireland. They're showing about the American government. We remember one thing, you. We have 950 American companies in Ireland with 376,000 top jobs, top jobs in this country. So it gives me an opportunity, yes, to speak about the Israeli Gaza and our, our, our annoyance and frustrations there and the horrid uh, happenings there, because I've spoken about that several times in the But we're a neutral country. We must always remember that, and we can be overtaking uh, and over overstating our remarks. But it also gives me a chance to speak about those. And did you? Uh, did you, did you actually free. eyeball anybody when you were there about um, what's going on in in, in Gaza? Palestine. We spoke both the ambassador and to officials. We got an opportunity. What did you say? Lots of reasons. We, uh, well, I'm, I believe that Ireland is a, very, is a neutral country, and we should be uh, uh, working on neutrality and peace. In the, in, the, in the country between Israel and... No, and, but I, I mean, you just need to be specific. Claire Cronin is the American ambassador I, to Ireland. I, I, yes, I, I have to be careful too. I don't want to go to insult anybody. I'm not asking I to insult him. I'm just asking you, you said you brought no. it up. Like, what did you did you say to her? I brought it up. I, I've asked her to do everything they can to create peace in that country. That's where we need to. We can shut every door. We saw what happened with Chilpine, uh 20, 30 years ago when nobody would be allowed, when they were never allowed to speak and the wars continued and the troubles continued until the uh, channels broke down and they were allowed to speak and we had to listen to what they had to say and peace became, uh, it happened in this country. But there's also, as I said, there's huge tourism industry between Ireland and America and we can't just close the door and not speak and stand outside and shut more. I believe in democracy. I believe in protest. I go to protest myself. But if, 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 the, if, Irish, if, if an awful lot of Irish people, I would probably say that the vast majority of Irish people are horrified about what's happening in Palestine and in Gaza and to innocent civilians, um, that we shouldn't have this kind of cap-in-hand attitude with the Americans just because we have businesses here or we'd be afraid that it would affect tourism. We should, we should stand up and be brave and say how we feel. Well, the, the situation we have, Neil, is that um, well, our Irish people are horrified and, and, and any natural living person would be horrified as to what's going on. The Americans didn't start this war. It's a mass attack to Israel, and Israel now are attacking back uh, in, in, in the Palestinian and Gaza, and just shocking atrocities going on there. But we can't close doors. And as I said, I was in there to speak about that briefly, because you only get a few minutes, but you get a lot of other chances with officials inside there. I also want to, I have the concerns of 376,000 jobs in Apple, Pfizer, Stryker, Eli Lilly, Johnson & Johnson, Amazon, Dale Technology, McDonald's. I could go on for a How many jobs are here? Good jobs. And if Martin had... My feeling is Martin is way in there. I know Martin because he, he, he comes up every Thursday and sings a song about walking home outside the door. Mm. If we close the door with the Americans and if they decide to move some of them jobs out of this country, I can tell you there'll be a hell of a lot more people standing outside the door playing music. Everyone should have a home. And that's what we're facing here. Martin, would we, you respond to never, that? That he's talking about 370,000 jobs here created by American companies, major tech, major pharma. We need to mind all of that. 
Yeah, he's been very disingenuous. Basically, he's kind of putting forward this idea that the only reason that the diplomatic channels are open now between the USA and Ireland is because himself and Matthew McGrath and a few more went up to to a party. Listen, it was a party. This is not how government business is done. This is not how diplomacy is done. Um, The days of the Galway tent are over. He's he's putting forward this idea that it was a diplomatic event. It wasn't. It was built as a party. There was alcohol there. There was food there. It, it wasn't. It wasn't what he's putting forward. He's been disingenuous about what it was. Um, was it? Was it? Was it um, a party, Michael? I mean, how long did it go on for? And was there? Was there alcohol? Uh, there was, uh, as far as I know, I was only there about an hour, maybe in twenty minutes. But uh, there was beer, there was wine, there was Coca Cola, Seven Up teas and coffee yeah. and there was cocktail sausages and crackers so like yes you can say it was a gathering for Christmas but it gave us an opportunity to speak on many issues and and I'm not I, I don't believe I didn't get a donation of any certain case uh, Martin is referring to a Galway thing there that's a different situation completely absolutely that's where you pay maybe a thousand euros a seat we paid nothing but I certainly put the points on behalf of the people that are working for the companies that are, that are here and the tourism issue, the tourism issue and the peace issues. So I discussed all those issues in a very brief time that I had there. And I'm quite happy and I'll do it again. And I'm not going to stand back from that type of politics where you shut the door, you expel ambassadors, you close the door, you don't speak to anybody. And at the same time, the same people that he's talking about um, that, that didn't do that, when Joe Biden came here, the president of America, they were running all around him. And he's back and put their arms around him. Yeah, oh a different time. Nothing happening in Ukraine then, nothing happening in Palestine. Well, uh, uh, it, I'd, like, I'd like to say as well that um, people before process did take a stand against Joe Biden when he came, and they have been, in the fullness of time, they have been proven right about But do you, do you accept, no. Martin, you can't be falling out with the Americans? Like, you just can't. Yeah, but there is a time to take a stand. I mean, how how much are you going to be bullied? He was saying that he's, he was talking about neutrality and stuff like that. It wasn't a neutral move to go there. The, at the moment, they are the he's he's. We need to equate the murder, what we're seeing on our phones, the death, the destruction, the kids being blown to bits, the kids without limbs, the kids trapped under rubble, all the innocent people. that we, It's the first time we're seeing it in real time. It's traumatising for everybody who's watching it. You, you do know, and, 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 well, it's important to balance it. You know that Hamas have engaged in shocking brutality um, against the Israelis, and, and much of it shocking brutality against Israeli children as well. I mean, one of the most horrific things you can do, do is take 250, 200 60 hostages and hold them like they did. It was that was appalling. Absolutely appalling. Yeah, no justification for that. Totally. But what Israel have done since and beforehand is tenfold that. So, and the Americans um, supplying the weapons, it's it's it, 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 it wasn't a neutral move to go there. I don't know if Michael Collins has been at any of the Palestine demonstrations, but if he wants to offset his um, his bias by heading up there. One o'clock Saturday, Grand Parade, every Saturday, um, a thousand people out, are out there um, calling for a ceasefire to end this carnage, this slaughter. The whole world is screaming for it to stop. And, 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 you, think, America, and, and you think that going to a party in the US embassy is, is what, showing bias, is it? Uh, totally. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's an endorsement of what they're doing. A Christmas party. There's, a, there's, um, there's, um, there's Christian leaders in, in Bethlehem at the moment who have cancelled Christmas because of the atrocities. And here we have 
the Americans who've changed the name from uh, Joys for the Season or changed the name from Peace at Christmas to Joys for the Season having a party up in uh, uh, um, up in the Phoenix Park. You see that, Michael? I mean, you, you really have to bear witness to the fact that the Americans stopped the UN motion claim, asking for, and we've been also bellowing for it, just a ceasefire just a ceasefire and they said no they actually said a ceasefire would be bad for Israel and it would be bad for Palestinian people it's kind of a bizarre statement to make in fairness it, 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 there's no doubt uh, that has happened uh, Neil and, and, and this Ireland has shown its horror uh, to that and I have uh, in my speeches inside the all, I've always called for peace. I've, uh, also, President Biden has called for peace. You should look uh, at several of the social media feeds yesterday. He, he's, he's feeling that Israel are gone a step too far. They certainly are. Uh, as did Hamas when they attacked Israel. But you could have very, gracefully very just declined and said you weren't available, for instance. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't, wouldn't mm-hmm. that have worked? Well, you see, Every day, every day of the week, my officers get calls about visas, about passports, about tourism issues, about every issue in relation to America. So, America. So we have to go to some of these functions. I talk to all of them. Ninety-nine percent of my don't go, but I certainly go to as many as I can because um, it gives us a chance to meet with officials, talk to the officials because people are in, in difficulties getting from one country to another, and they need our help. We won't do that if we don't if we shut the doors, and that's the same with this Israeli and the war in Israel that's going on at the present time. If we're not going to sit down and keep the doors of dialogue open and stand outside shouting and roaring, which is in its own right a democracy, I fully respect. Who's that shouting and roaring? It's 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 protesting. I was there. I was there. Yeah, and they're entitled to do that. It's a democracy. I accept that, but you need someone on the inside talking and trying to create a world of peace. And we haven't done that in this country up to now. We've been coin taking sides on different issues and we're not sure where we okay. stand. But I think we, as a neutral country, we should be the one country leading um, peace across the world. No, you say it was dominated by American jobs and tourism and tech companies and pharma. That's what you say. And, and I, when I was inside, in there for the little hour, hours and 10 or 15 minutes of inside, I spoke on all those issues inside, including what did peace. You say? What, did including you say about, what did you say about peace? Sorry, I, uh, I said I spoke about, I, I spoke to the, the American ambassador that they have to, sorry, Martin, I'm talking. I spoke to the American ambassador uh, about the, the horrors that are going on across the world and that they have a strong role in creating peace. That's Strong the horrors going on across the world, or the horrors yeah. in Palestine, and in, Israel, uh, in Palestine, of course. Yeah. And, and how did she? How did she react to that? To creating peace, she, she, she's, she's a very grateful woman to speak to. I spoke to some of our officials on the same line, but she's a, she's a very genuine person who always uh, gives you the impression that she wants. Uh, peace and in this situation she wants peace and she's I knew by her that she she was understanding of the way the Irish people feel but if I shut the door to stay outside I wouldn't have been able to get that chance I'm not saying it's going to work it's going to change things but I certainly gave, got an opportunity to speak about obviously the, the 76,000 jobs in this country too and the American uh, tourism in this country so look I'm not going to, Michael Collins ain't going to create peace, but certainly by keeping the, do, uh, okay. the doors open and, and dialogue, I, I'm, I'm quite happy to do that. And I continue to do that. I'm not one bit afraid. Uh, I, I do clinics every Saturday, so I'm not one bit afraid to come. And, uh, did you ever attend, did you ever attend, did you ever attend a West Cork protest or a West Cork rally? Not a West Cork protest, but I'm at the Dáil the whole time in this protest outside the gate and I'm standing there. You know, I, I'm, I'm not afraid to, 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 to partake. Par, I'm not afraid to partake 
in any actions that creates peace, Martin. That's the way I work uh, in, in my political life. It, in, in any uh, actions that are out there at this present time, you need politicians that are open, that keep the doors open, that keep the channels open, of communication. If you shut that down, you're going to get yourself involved in a war that you're not overly uh, entitled to be involved in. That's basically it. Yeah. So we keep, I keep yeah. the channels open and I have you been to any of the Palestinian Sorry? protests anywhere? Have you I been to any of the Palestinian protests? Protest. No, no, it's different walking things. into the doll now and passing them. He's asking a specific question. No, 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 Neil, excuse me. I stand outside uh, when there's protests with the people. Yeah, like okay. the Adversary Palestine or whatever. I'm always at protests, so it isn't just walking into the doll. I'm probably okay, another one. Okay, fair enough. I stand corrected. Okay, so. As, as, long, as long as they're peaceful protests and they don't attack people. And I'm fairness, I'm not saying any of those deep, but some protests do get a bit angry. Okay, okay. Much obliged to you both. Uh, you would do it again. If you had to do it all over again, you certainly would. We'll pick it up after 10. Martin Leahy and Michael Collins, TD, thank you. Your thoughts are welcome on that. Text 0868 104 106. You can always pick up the phone on 0818 104 106. Back after the break. It's the season to be jolly, all right, but not for everybody, unfortunately. Uh, quite a sad text. I see them come in from time to time. I'm an elderly woman who's sadly left alone on Christmas Day. Do you know anywhere that will be open on Christmas Day around the city that I could go to. I think really what we need to do is try and get a handle on what actually is open on Christmas Day by way of hotels that are taking people in. I know residents staying in hotels can have Christmas dinner and everything, but I'm talking about walk-ins. So wouldn't it be good to find out exactly what's available for walk-in people who want to go somewhere on Christmas Day for a bit of lunch or or a bit of company? And if you're in uh, hospitality... Do get in touch and let us know. Text 0868 I also got an awfully sad email as well in from a man who's going to be left homeless at Christmas. It's awfully sad this time of the year for some people. I'm going to be made homeless days before Christmas, Neil. Uh, I had been with my wife for over a decade, but recently um, I had to leave because the abuse I was suffering was becoming too much to bear. A few years after we got together, uh, she slapped me a few times in the face after a night out. Um, she was drunk and was saying I was flirting with a friend which clearly wasn't true. She was always very controlling. Uh, If I spoke to anyone or went for a pint with my friends I would always end up being in some kind of trouble when I got home. Uh, During a particular incident we went out for drinks and when we got back she attacked me badly. The next morning I said I was leaving. She was a wonderful woman but totally changed with alcohol on board making her extremely violent, particularly towards me. At the time she begged me not to leave her. She said she'd never drink again. So I stayed with her. Fast forward years later, very happy, married, beautiful kids. The last few years started drinking again and once again the violence starts and gets worse and worse, including hitting me in front of children and that I could never forgive. I plucked up the courage and ended up leaving full time. Through the courts, judge said um, they didn't believe me. Uh, look at the size of you compared to the size of your wife. Um, I won't go into details within the home for fear of identifying anybody, but he will have to be out of the family home on uh, Christmas Eve. And he says, I have nowhere to live for myself, but more importantly, when I get to see my children, I qualify for HAP, but I can't get a house and have nowhere for my children to stay or even open their Christmas presents with me on Christmas morning. So that's the backstory of spousal abuse. And bear in mind, um, we don't hear half enough of it because people tend to stay very quiet about um, a course of control or or violence in in the home. Um, But part of his uh, plea, actually, or the story that he's sharing with me, is that if there are any landlords with an empty property 
that could give himself and his children somewhere to stay for three or four weeks over Christmas and into the new year until he sorted. He says it would be the greatest Christmas present ever. And if you could help, Neil, I would be so, so grateful. So I put it out there um, by virtue of the power of radio because you never know who might be listening and might be in a position to help this gentleman out. When we were chatting with him, uh, he holds down a very good job when we asked if somebody did wish to help you for a few weeks or whatever over Christmas, would you be able to provide references to back up your character and your, um, you know, references to to prove that you're a a good guy and and a reliable guy if somebody were to uh, give a property or rent it for a month. And he said, absolutely no problem whatsoever in doing that. So if anybody thinks they could help, do get in touch. Don't hold back. It could make a huge, huge difference. Text 0868-104-106. And we'll come back to that if there's an update throughout the course of the morning. Meanwhile, just go back to the... It's, it's not unrelated to my conversation with uh, Michael Collins, the GD, um, uh, from earlier on this morning, uh, and indeed Martin Leahy. Again, it has to do with the issues involving um, the war, and it is a war because Hamas are part of creating war in the area. You, you, you can take sides if you wish, but of course there have been atrocities on both sides. But what's heartbreaking right now is the amount of deaths uh, of uh, Palestinians, particularly the elderly. I mean, I shouldn't say particularly, but I think you know what I mean when I'm talking about young people and children and the elderly. And I'm told that the weather has turned shocking now uh, in that particular region. Uh, so they're living with very cold temperatures and rain and, and, and bombings and, you know, man. Issues regarding health and lack of medicine, food and water supplies and things like that. So I was interested to see over the past couple of days that Liam Milani, who is Mayo Cafe, we spoke to him on the air some months ago, um, has decided to start showing uh, and start uh, sharing, I suppose, or uh, using the Palestinian flag. I believe it is up at Mayo Cafe on the Keys. But just to get the, the backstory, the accurate story, I'm joined by Liam by phone. Uh, Liam, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Uh, and, and do you mind if I just start with the, with the fact that you at one stage had the Palestinian flag on your car? Is that right, Liam? Yes, look, obviously I have a young, I have a young child. He's just turning two now in January and watching this from the outset as a father, as I'm sure anybody out there with children, you know, the, the horrific scenes that we're seeing um, you know, against the, the people there. And on both sides, of course, it was just, it's just, catastrophic and so I've been involved in the protests you know I like to go to the, the march do what I can do you feel very frustrated as, particularly as a father and helpless when you can empathise really with these people losing entire families uh, and all of their kids gone it's it's beyond the beyond right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yes I would do that and yes even the little action of putting a flag on my on my car um, it's I suppose just that I because I do feel helpless I think we're all helpless in this Um except perhaps the politicians. So um, I was up at the lock last week, Neil, and this is this is something, I suppose, around misinformation out there, and it's just about opinions, and it's about the polarisation that's going on in our, in our society and the fact that people cannot have an opinion, but they're being shouted at. There's no discussion anymore. Uh, I was up by the lock. I was putting the actor back into the car, I hear this man shouting at me. I look across the road and he's screaming at me, you've never been in the Middle East and uh, Hamas are terrorists and you're supporting terrorism. And Hamas have their own flag. This is the flag of the Palestinian people. Mm, mm. I have friends here in Cork who don't recognise that flag. They're still going to be my friends. That's their opinion. Mm. On a historical basis, all of this. 
But what's, what, what is the fact is that the Palestinian people recognise that as their flag, as we do a tricolour. Mm. It's their emblem. It's the thing that they look to, to, to pray for hope. 75 years, their hope has just been eroded and eroded. So when, your man, anyway, when your man started giving you abuse, did you respond to him? I, to be honest, look, it, it, I was in shock, Neil. And I was, I actually, I stood back and I kept very quiet because I was just going, where is this coming from? It's coming from a place of hatred. And where is, where is that coming from? It's coming from our media, which I think as long as much as our politicians have to be responsible in all of, all of this, our national broadcaster needs to be very responsible for this. Because right from the outset, and we all know that the first thing to go in war, the first casualty of war is the truth. And if you have an oppressing force, and if you have a, the force that Israel is showing coming at you, it's their game to abuse propaganda. Now, a lot of the stories that we saw, which obviously what Hamas did was horrendous. And as you said, you know, taking prisoners like that and children and old people, of mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but it's, there was a lot, of, a lot of those stories early days have been debunked. You know, there's, there's even an Israeli campaign now to, to question what went on at the festival. It's not always the truth, but people latch on to these things they put everybody like this. But uh, well, sorry, I don't, I don't want I don't want to overly labour any of the aspects yeah, that you're yeah. discussing. But I, I can't see how anybody could debunk what happened with regards to the uh, Hamas um, um, oh, rockets, rockets on, on on the festival. It, it, like we we have seen the bodies. We have seen the bodies, but there's question marks being raised in relation to whether. There, and I'm not saying it, but there, there's question marks being raised in relation to crossfires, certain things happening. We don't know the full yeah, story. No, no, that, I mean, again, 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 story, like, again with, with all due respect to all those that, that lost loved ones in that festival, they, they did die, they, they were bombed. I think some of the, of the, the crossfire had more to do with the, with the rocket attack on a, on a hospital. The, the, that whole thing, there's question marks over the Ashifa hospital. Now, even the ex-Israeli prime minister came out and said... There wasn't. This wasn't a command centre. That the command centre was somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I'm, all, my point about this is, is that information is. We need to not be so sure about the information all the time, and then making these rash decisions. I'll always keep a question mark over things. Okay. I don't know. Okay. But so if you, so have, you, have you put have you put the flag up in Mayo? So what we what we decided to do just in solidarity, particularly now at the moment, because it's got so bad. I mean, the the, the equivalent of COVID has been blown off the planet. Mm. The amount, I think 25,000 tonnes of bombs that they've dropped in a month equates to two nuclear bombs, Neil. Mm. You know, and, and, and their hopes. So it's just on a humanitarian level, beyond politics. This is human beings. So, and just in solidarity for them at this moment and up to Christmas, I'd love to see that replaced with a flag of peace. Just twice, just twice. Maybe the CND logo, because unfortunately this thing seems to be escalating towards something that will affect everybody. Mm. Mm. You know. Anyway, that, so we did. We just raised. We have a wonderful community here, a mixed community, both Hindu, Jew, Muslim, Christian. They're all here in, in the north side. You know. Um, but it, it was just that symbol. And what I would ask people to do is not judge it. Judge it for what it is, which is and their flag. And, yeah. and what's the response been to it on on Popsky? 
very, very, very positive, you know, and I'm just asking people because it's on the lee, it's actually tied securely and safely to a post that has a life boy on it. And ironically enough, that's what these guys need over there. Right, right. And it's just and to see the flag and say a prayer for peace. That's all I'm saying to people and respectful of what it is. It's, it's non-judgmental of, you know, it doesn't represent terrorism. But if someone's going to give you grief uh, at the lock, don't you think there's a possibility that someone else will rip I do, it down? Neil, and that's that's me where I have to just put my head up there, right. you know. I yeah. mean, we, we, I can't, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I, just I talk to anybody, and, okay. and, and I, I have no problem debating anything with anybody. But don't, don't be shouting at me either, you know. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Just on the on the point there with Martin Leahy and Michael Collins before ten. Any thoughts on that? Uh, TDs going in for uh, Christmas jolly I at the do. embassy. My, 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 my thoughts on that are, you know, I understand where where Michael is coming from, and that's the way politics have been done in Ireland for a long time. And we have a very strong relationship with America. Of course, we do and more so to protect our jobs. This is the delicate dance that our government are doing at the moment. But, Michael, you're being elected, and not just Michael, but you're elected to use your political acumen and your voice. And I just think that if more people grabbed themselves where they should and kind of feel into their... Anyway, grab themselves uh, and, and kind of go, look, what can I do? He's on about closing doors, Neil. You don't have to close doors. You can respectfully say to people, look... This is what my people think. I, I have Muslims in my community. I want to stand for them as well. And I want to say I'll respectfully decline that invitation this year. But wholeheartedly, you know, it, you're not closing doors. There's yeah. ways of doing that. Yeah, That's yeah. diplomacy. Yeah. And it, especially, equally with, with an ambassador, they're talking about expelling ambassadors. It can only ever be a symbolic gesture. Like, if, for example, if it was the Israeli ambassador... The embassies are still open, still do business. It doesn't have to be this big black-white situation. And, at, and he also mentioned neutrality, Neil. We ain't neutral anymore. Shannon Airport, we've signed up to the PESCO agreement now in Europe. Our neutrality is, is hanging on by a thread mm. there. And, and, if it, and if it's left, anyway. Can yeah. I just ask one question before I do let you go? Because I've been thinking a lot about this with regards to the armaments, that ultimately war has always been about, um, okay, uh, territory and land uh, and taking somebody else's or taking something back. But it has primarily been found to be very, very profitable as well. And you would have all of this armament right. that's going from America to aid the Israelis, billions and billions of dollars worth, that would be produced, wouldn't they, and manufactured in America? So it's as much to do with war being profitable. Am, am, I, am, I missing, am I missing the point? Or, you know, as in- You're not missing the point at all. That is the point. That's the nail on the head there, Neil. There's, there's oil and gas under gas that was discovered from the 14th. There's lots of it. All the water that Israel take is under Gaza. They, they take it there and they sell it back to the Palestinians in Gaza. So it's resources and it's, the, it's an age-old thing about holding that position for certain interests. You know, it's but even the production of over. rockets and bombs and mortars and tanks and everything to do with war, it's a big business, it's all, isn't it? It's a big business and it's always been the same. If you go back to the Roman Empire, you destroy and then you rebuild it. You send in the crescent, you send in this, you stitch people back up together and then the companies come in and the CRH, I won't mention any names. But no, but those are the companies that manufacture it, love to see it being blown up because they need to manufacture more yeah. of it. It, it. It's all about profit. It was the same. As far as I can see, this is just my opinion. When it suited them over in the Ukraine, they were giving them enough. I believe some of those weapons were being sold on on the black market, which is heinous as well. But 
then in, 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 they've just sent they've circumvented the they've circumvented the Senate in America and they've just said okay they need another 120 billion worth of 1,000 and 2,000 uh, pound bombs and they're just sending them over there directly now Mm. We, of course, we all have American friends. We believe in, like, the, the, our charter, like the, the, these people are throwing every law on the planet out the window. They've broken all the human rights charters. Phosphorus should never be used in civilian crowds. They're pouring it all over those people, burning the skins off children. Like, this is the reality. Mm. And we, we can still, we need to use a stronger voice in Ireland. But we, in the UK, are, they, they abstained from the vote. Abstain. Again, 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 weapons manufacturers, you know, there's the, a the royalty there, making, making bombs. I mean, and, and they say that now in the Ukraine, there was almost a deal done. Zelensky was going to sign a, an agreement with Putin. Boris Johnson arrives on the ground over there. All of a sudden, they carte blanche. You don't worry now, Mr. Zelensky, we'll back you to the hilt. Tons and tons, 160, 180 billion worth of bombs left over there to blow people, and that's a half a million people dead over there now. Mm, mm, okay. You know? Okay. Bankers' okay. wars and, and, and weapons manufacturers' wars, unfortunately. Okay. The flag, the Palestinian flag, is on Pope's Key. Uh, you've put it up, Liam Mulaney, at uh, Mulaney at yeah. Mayo Cafe. You're asking people to respect it. Thanks for taking the call. Appreciate it. Thanks uh, for your time. You're, Thank uh, you. you're more than welcome. Um, there's um, uh, just a follow up on American companies, of course, and amongst them VMware from our conversation yesterday with a loss of over 300. 170 jobs. I just wanted to hold Councillor Derry Canty to account, if I may. He was on air with you yesterday morning. What he stated on the recent call was scaremongering. He stated that VMware doesn't want to be in Cork or Ireland. Nothing could be further from the truth. This is from an ex-VMware employee who says, Cork is the home of VMware's European operations and is crucial to its success, contributing to the local economy here since 2005. Broadcom acquired VMware because it's an extremely successful and profitable company, and these redundancies are because of duplicate roles in finance, sales, marketing, etc., across both companies. Many of those affected by the layoffs have been with the company for some time and will welcome the opportunity to leave with a significant payment. There are plenty of opportunities elsewhere for them. Regarding the local economy in Ballincollig, for the past two years since COVID, roughly 10% of VMware's employees have been in the office. 90% of them are working remotely anyway. With the Broadcom takeover of VMware, all staff will be back in the office full-time. This actually will provide a significant boost to the local shops and restaurants in Ballincollig. It boils my blood when politicians come on with their doom and gloom and they are, as always, completely in ill-informed. That's when ex-VMware employee. Just another few on that. With Ireland's stance from the very start on the Israeli conflict with Hamas which went against American and Israeli interests, there's always a possibility of job losses coming down the road as a consequence. Anthony says America's debt is scary and rising daily. We've been very dependent on corporate tax takes from American companies for many years. We are riding on a corporate tax rug that won't be flying so high. The name of being a wealthy country is hiding a lot of problems in America. Um, and one other one, there are there any unions in those plants that you're talking about? I wonder if unions would make a difference and if the staff were unionised. My son, when he worked for a multinational in Mahan Point, was told one hour before they were, uh, was told one hour before and that they were to tell their team that everyone was being made redundant. Amputation without anaesthetic it was. That's another example of a multinational just dropping 
uh, the news um, out of the blue without any warning. Text 0868104106 back after the break. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. Many, many texts coming in from the conversations this morning. I'll come back to them. I was mentioning people who are robbing shops, particularly at Christmas time um, all year round, but it's a particularly bad problem at Christmas time. I was in my local shop the other evening and it was late. Three young girls were on and there was no security. It was very dangerous and intimidating for our young staff to deal with issues like that. They should pay a few quid and put a security guard on all shops. Prevention is better than cure. Well, they are doing that. More and more businesses on Leaside now do have security on the door, something you'd never seen before. And then on criticising some... Uh, of course, you can criticise the entire bus service, particularly if buses are being told and drivers are being told, drive past the stops, even if there are people at them. Just drive on if you're behind schedule. I think that's bizarre. Uh, st- stop with the sob stories, will you? We hear it every day on our buses. We have passengers who just walk past the driver without paying. We don't accept bank cards and drivers can't do anything about this. The problem with buses lately is that we don't even have the drivers in the buses. The buses we have shouldn't even be on the road. We ground them. Uh, and an hour later, it's back on the road anyway. We have buses with broken windscreens. We have broken CCTV screens for viewing upstairs. We've got broken seats where drivers have to sit for five hours of the time. And most of the time, we don't get up from the seat until we finish or go on a break. It's a rat race for all of the bus routes. In the last 18 months, Bus Aaron had a recruitment drive for more drivers. And they are only up nine drivers with drivers still continuing to leave Bus Aaron. I've talked to five drivers just this week. They're leaving. This is all from Cork, not from other areas. No way would drivers want to come to Bus Aaron when you're dealing with timetables that you just can't implement. And then you have passengers shouting at you because the buses are late. One other one, I can back up that story about a bus errand driver. Last August, I was in London and my flight was cancelled due to air traffic control problems. I went from Stansted, using the Stansted Express, uh, then to the tubes, then I jumped on a train to Birmingham Airport. From there, I flew to Shannon, got a bus from there to Cork City. I did all this using my debit card. Because I flew from Cork originally, my car was at Cork Airport. So I ran to the correct bus stop, only to be told by the Cork bus driver in a very abrupt way, cash only. What a joke. Well, it does seem like a joke, considering you did all of the other travel in the UK. You know, all of it by using your tap and go. Text 086 Keep them coming. Talking about travelling, uh, we got a freedom of information request answered by Cork City Council there recently because we were just curious as to where councillors have been going of late. Uh, and it came back. It's quite detailed. Can I just mention uh, maybe over... 2020, 20, well, 2019 to 2023, and bear in mind two of those years, 2020 and 2021, there was no travel took place at all because of COVID-19. But in the other years, 19, um, 22 and 23, they went to Shanghai, South Korea, Germany, United States, New York and Washington, San Francisco, France a number of times, Coventry, back to the U.S., to Rochester, New York, New York, back to Washington and back to San Francisco, uh, China again, back to the United States yet again, New York, San Francisco and Florida. Uh, the Washington f- uh, trip to Sa- and San Francisco trip uh, back in 2022 cost 34 grand as an example. The one to San Francisco this year, in March of this year, cost 35 and a half grand. Uh, I'll go on. They went to Lithuania, Bogota, 
Medellin in Colombia, Gothenburg in Sweden, Malta, Korea, Lisbon, back to Shanghai in China, back to Coventry, whatever's going on there, uh, over to Lisbon, Brussels, Copenhagen, back to Lisbon again and to Brest in France. We're endeavouring to add it all up, but it certainly runs to many, many tens, perhaps hundreds of thousands of euro. Uh, and some might say that that's important. Some of the big trips probably are uh, maybe something to do with, um, you know, maybe the St. Patrick's weekend. Although I can't understand why we'd have 35 grand trips in the month of uh, in early in early March. But anyway, uh, on top of that, then, of course, I was interested to hear that there is. So that's the Freedom of Information request. I'll, I'll give you all of the different figures at a later date, but I was mentioning on the air yesterday that they're off again now to uh, the city of Utrecht in the Netherlands to see how the Dutch have become the most cycling-friendly cities uh, in the world. Um, And they're off to do that research. Uh, Amongst them, although I'm not quite sure uh, exactly who's going, it was suggested Terry Shannon was going for Fianna Fáil, uh, Derry Canty for Fianna Gael, Mick Finn was supposed to go and then decided he wouldn't go, uh, Thomas Maloney, Paddy Deneen, and Ken O'Flynn, the Independent. Um, I'm not quite sure if they've been written in stone that they are going to travel, uh, but it's all to try and make Cork even more cycling-friendly than it already is, I believe. Uh, Terry Shannon joins me by phone. Terry, good morning. Neil, how are you? I'm good. Um, f- first of all, that, that Freedom of Information request, are, are you agog at the list of travel over those few-year periods? No, no. I mean, uh, I don't know. Was that Freedom of Information requesting by yourselves? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, was it? Yeah. Because yeah. I know there are, there are others going in all the time. No, no, these are all uh, approved at a public meeting of city council. And they have to be approved, you know. So they're all part of the public record. You don't have to go for a freedom of information uh, request and, and all the drama that that brings. You I know, didn't say that there was any all. drama. I didn't yeah. say that there was any drama no, involved in a councillor. I just wanted I just wanted a oh, list know, on a couple of pages. Go for, uh, yeah, but you don't need to go for freedom of information. I mean, it's public knowledge. Like, it's out there. Do you know it, what I mean? Yeah, it's, and they're yeah. approved at, uh, at a council meeting. Do you know yeah, what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, And look, there are some. Uh, we're twinned with six cities around the around the world. Uh, we have the Cork Diaspora there uh, and they do like to see Bilar Bear and others coming out. Do you know what I mean? So uh, we can't live in isolation, you know. Mm. And I would say as well, as a local authority, if you look at Cork County Council and any other local authority, we're fairly uh, uh, mindful of spending that and the numbers that go out. We don't spend or send huge numbers out. Generally, the Lord Mayor and one or two others of a year would, would travel. And it's important that we keep up the the uh, contact with with our twin cities, you know. Mm-hmm. How, how does how does it work as to who would travel uh, to one of these uh, overseas well, trips? Or in, the, in this particular in this particular instance, now the trip to Utrecht, uh, we got an email from uh, I think it was corporate affairs asking people to express an interest, um, and that was that's what I did, and I did it because I had seen a. I'm not sure where I saw the article that, you know, many, many local authorities had sent delegations to Utrecht, which apparently is the city to go in terms of how to do bicycle lanes and, and act to travel properly. But that Cork City Council were one of three local authorities in the country that had sent nobody. And we were being kind of uh, uh, criticised for that. So then this came up and I said, well, look, OK, I, I'd express an interest. I haven't decided whether I'm going or not yet because obviously that's all I did but it came up at council on, on last Monday night because again you must get approval so 
uh, that's where they came, you know. So, yeah. But I'll have to see how my diary is in January. But it is something that I'd be interested in doing because I am somewhat of a, an agnostic in terms of bicycling. I've criticised some of the things that we've done, uh, but I'm open to being corrected. And do you not so, think we have enough for them, though? That, that, do you not think that we have enough for them? Uh, that job is done, I'm, move I'm on. Of that. Yeah, well, well, we've done a lot in some places and others may be needed, but I, I just think the manner in which we do it and the the consultation and that whole preparation is important uh, and I think if we can if we can get it right and if people can be brought into the process then I think that's a good idea I mean uh, the bicycle lane where we're, we're starting a new bicycle lane in Ringmahan Road 6 million euro project uh, in the new year now I was very involved in that because I felt well you know, when you put in a bicycle lane, you discommode people, particularly in terms of parking. And a bicycle lane was going all around Ringmahan Road, so that would discommode the parking for the Holy Cross Church, for the primary school, yeah, for no, Ringmahan Rangers. I, 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 and so I engage with City Council and the NTA, and they finally agreed now that they'll pay for an extra car park for, for the church. They're putting in a car park for the Okay, Rangers. and I know that that's no, local that's to so, the parish, so I understand I think, that. But do we well, have a statistic? Do we actually have a statistic as to how many average daily bike trips are actually done by Corconians as to whether this is actually even I taken off. I think there are, yeah, but what? I suppose the point I'm making is the best way to introduce the, the bike no, Do we know what the figure is? Do we know what the figure is? I don't, I don't, but I mean, I would be, I would see with my own eyes in many bicycle lanes that, you know, there's tumbleweed, uh, you know, blown down. And how do you think that'll be no changed then if nobody's using them and you're well, going I, off I, to I, think I, about I how think, the Dutch well, can give us even I, more? You see, yeah, but you see, I think the, the, the notion is if you put them there, that people will use them. And I think we've got to make it safer for people uh, 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 to use them and, and give them confidence in using them. Now, not every street and every road can have a bicycle lane or a bus lane. Uh, and I certainly think what's happening in Tory Top Road isn't a good idea, where people in, you know, parked in, in front of their houses. And this applies to bus connects as well, where there were, you know, um, people can park, oh, there's, they have no front garden, and they park in front of their house, particularly elderly people, and with bus connects, some of these people are being discommoded, yeah, and yeah. that's not right. Yeah. So, you know, you've got to, it's a shared public realm, and we've got to bring people along with us. And so if if how they do without new tracks is something of benefit, well, then maybe it's worth doing, you know? Yeah, but we you, we don't have, we have a figure for Utrecht. Don't you find it's astonishing? One hundred and twenty-five thousand average daily bike trips. Sixty um, percent of all of their trips are. But we don't we don't yeah, have a figure for Cork. But it's prob- well, no, it's probably do. Mickey Mouse. I don't have the figure. We, well, no, we do have the figure, and I, I remember hearing it at, at Rhodes SPC. So I don't have it to hand. But again, isn't that why maybe we should be out in Utrecht because to see how they do it, how they manage it, how they audit it. And how they change it if, if it's not working. But it should, you know? Okay, but if we're, if we're spending all of this money and all of these trips to learn how to do things better, shouldn't it be parked for a while when, when there are other aspects of Cork living that need to be addressed much more seriously? Well, no, because I mean, like like the city council is like a household, we have a budget. You don't, you don't throw all your money into one aspect of, of the budget. We have a budget for for international travel. We have a budget for roads. We have a budget for housing. We have a budget for, I mean, the housing budget this year is 500 million euro. So, you know, you have your budgets and, and the, the issue for the budgets are to spend them and, and, and not to have money left over at the end of the year. And so that's capacity then to, to, to get on with it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, see, if you I don't mean, spend it, you, you lose it, is it? So you just well, have to come no, up with no, things. I mean, is it a bit like the robot trees, kind of like it's going to surplus money? No, no, it's there for next year. But I mean, you know, if you have a budget, if you have a budget, uh, you know, you no point in having a budget if you don't spend it. But the issue is capacity in terms of of, of, of that. Do you know what I mean? But um, I mean, there are people who know 
the price of everything but the cost of nothing you know uh, we can't be isolationist in that sense and we are a city with multinationals and the whole lot but as well. say for instance so the Washington trip to Washington and San Francisco 34,000 it's not up to you to have to defend them but it should be for the chief executive to defend them uh, that well, seems that yeah, seems I like an awful that seems like an awful lot of money for uh, six officials uh, for three officials um, um, and I think uh, number of councillors that travelled doesn't actually say, but it, for for three people, does that like thirty four grand for three? Do, well, they, no, do they fly? They, do they, they fly first class? No, not at all. And even Lord, Lord Neil when I was Lord Mayor, we went. We, we were we were in steerage like everybody else. Do you know what I mean? No, no, we're very. And look again. I mean, you see, there are and, and councillors are very mindful. There are free routes to make requests coming in, so you're not going to be. You know, it's not first class in champagne, and your feet up in a lovely coat. So why would it? Why would it cost thirty six thousand to send six people to San Francisco? You don't. You don't book in advance. You know, some of these trips might be done in advance, and there are hotels and there are other uh, uh, costs to it. You know, I'm sure you can get a breakdown of those costs. I'm not aware of them. I wasn't on that that trip uh, uh, to Washington or or to New York. I haven't been on one of those trips for quite a while. You know, so. yeah, it doesn't but it I, does I, not strike you as very high, the though. The trip to Shanghai, for instance, again, uh, well, six you're people. Half around the world, Neil. Twenty-six you know, and a half grand. Halfway around the world. So, yeah, but know, is it I mean, value? But is that value for money? Well, it is, Neil. I think certainly the China connection has been very valuable. I mean, we have the Confucius uh, Institute up in UCC, and there's there's uh, there's hundreds of, of of Chinese students studying in Cork with UCC, which is a huge. Well, why UCC. would why would City Council uh, be picking? Up, why would City Hall be funding something that a hugely hugely profitable company, which it is, UCC, should be paying for themselves? I know, but they pay for their own people that go. They don't. They mean the trip to 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 to, to Shanghai would have uh, people from the uh, and indeed to San Francisco would have the Chamber of Commerce would have educational would have other uh, interest groups but they pay for themselves you know but I mean I do recall when Forta was in trouble and when the Kingsley were in trouble uh, it was on trips to China that they were sorted out by city council officials is it? yes yeah 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 you know so like there is that contact the whole time Uh, and you know China is whether we like it or not or whether we like their lack of democracy they are an emerging power and uh, you know so we we can't put all our eggs in the one basket it's uh, just that people, when, America, people, when, they, are, people when, you know, when people look at these numbers and these figures 26 grand here 35 grand there 15 grand another one uh, they think that it's just kind of like um, it's a fund really well, to, to, for, for councillors yeah, to dip in and out to go I on a bit know. of a holiday jolly well, that's the point, yeah. And I mean, people think that you go with your bathing towels and your towel and your suntan. I can assure you the trips that I've been on, and this applies to any other trip, and I believe the one for Utrecht. You'll be up on your bike in Utrecht and visiting other cities. Uh, I think it's a three or four day trip, and you know, you'll be up early in the morning and you'll be out doing your business. You may have a few pints at night and a meal, Neil. You know, I really need a bit of downtime, but you go out there to work. And when I was Lord Mayor and I did various trips, I can assure you we were, we were head on. And will you, know, you be will uh, you be actually up on bikes when you're over there? Will you be will you be cycling? Oh, we will. We will. Yeah. We and do will, you apparently. do you cycle much? Uh, no. <laughs> the last time I was on a bike, I suppose there was trainers on the back of it. So uh, <laughs> no, but I, I maybe get my bike out now in training if I do go. You know. I would suggest you uh, want to get into yeah. training then, wouldn't you? Absolutely. Well, it wasn't the first time someone told me to get on my bike. Do you know what I mean? So. <laughs> okay. um, all right, thanks, Terry. Appreciate it as always, Councillor but, Terry uh, Shannon. Thanks for the call, and as uh, always, we're, we're we're grateful for your interest in what we're doing in City Council. <laughs> 
you're being very sarcastic. I know you are. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Happy Christmas, you all. Thanks for that, Neil. You're as positive as usual. Bye bye. Thanks, really. Thanks. Bye bye. Made me feel good, why don't you? Cork's biggest conversation is here. The Neil Brenderville Show is on Cork's Red FM. Uh, fair play to Michael Collins for not getting wound up with all the propaganda surrounding this conflict. Uh, ask the protesters uh, why they don't protest about the homeless crisis in Ireland. You may not know it, but Martin Leahy is a huge campaigner uh, for the homeless. He even wrote the song on it. Uh, people could influence the Israeli-Palestinian war by boycotting all Israeli goods coming into Europe, couldn't they? Another one, we should be more concerned with what's going on here in Ireland than in Israel. Get our own house in order first. It's proving a convenient distraction, isn't it, for the clowns running the country? Uh, how much did it cost the people of Ireland for them to go to the American embassy for a party? Although he did stay, he won't say he only stayed for an hour and a half. Uh, Michael Collins is all over the place stating he's involved in so much and doing nothing at the end of the day. I think that's a low blow. It's a bit like Terry Shannon throwing a punch at me there after the bell had gone. But I can take it. I'm a big fan of Michael Collins, I really am. But when he quoted the amount of US companies that are here in Ireland, he should also quote the amount of Irish companies that are in the USA. Even hotels like Fitzpatrick's. I find it so funny when politicians cherry-pick their answers. Um, when I hear What I'm hearing is that Michael Collins feels that the Irish jobs are more important than Palestinian lives, says Patricia, who listens in Donegal. Now, I will come back to a lot of those texts throughout the course of the next hour. And if it doesn't happen this morning, we'll certainly come back to it in the morning. But one story I mentioned that broke in the examiner this morning is that the Cork-based Victims of Crime Service is to be shut. um, And apparently it will happen in the new year. It's been running for 17 years and will celebrate its 17th anniversary this coming January. It's very sad to hear that because we work quite closely with Sally Hannan down through the years and the people that she has helped, victims of crime, that they help and facilitate in so many different ways. So I think it's a tragic, I think it's a tragic story that it's, it's closing at a time when it was never more needed. Sally, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Why? Why is this happening? I don't have an answer for you for that. Uh, I mean, for the last uh, 16 years, uh, we were uh, completely compliant. Uh, Funding was issued. No issue. Even this time last year, we got additional funding to do up our room where we meet the people. And then on January, we got a letter to say there were some officials from the department going to come an on-site visit. Now, they requested certain things. They got what they requested. We worked to best practice for the people coming through the doors. Okay, just, I don't mean to interrupt now, but this would have been the Department of Justice who came to vet, and they gave you a list, according to the examiner, a list of 48 things to be done. You obliged... No, 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 that's, that's, that's incorrect. Not They requested a list of 48 different items that they needed to look at. Right. Which yeah. we gave. Okay. And they were all in order. Okay, thank you. That clarifies that. You know, okay. that clarifies, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, what, so what, 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 where did the wheels come off the pram? I don't know, Neil. But in, in a sense, that did, did somebody follow up after the visit and say something? Oh, they sent an independent order, yes. And said what? Um, they said, uh, oh gosh, what did they say? I don't need the they, words, just the gist of no, it. No, they just said that it wasn't value for money. They debated the uh, our referral figures. They brought them down to about a third. 
because the way they looked at it is if we had repeat visits from those people, they didn't count. Which, of course, they count. Of course they count. In Uh, man hours and volunteer hours alone, they count. Yes, yes. And, like, you have... I mean, in the recent past, we've had two people who've been waiting five years for their court case. So, you know, if they're seen once a month, they're seen, and the service was delivered to them. So you can't discount that. No, and you cannot run a service that would say to people in need of help, sorry, I can only see you once. No, you cannot. What is the funding annually? What is the funding? 165,000. And they just, did you get an email or were phone calls saying we're withdrawing the funding? Yeah, yes, the directors would have had got that, yes. They gave, a, they gave them no option other than to wind up. Uh, you must have been devastated when you heard that news. Absolutely devastated. And I'm devastated, but I'm more devastated, Neil, for the people who were using the service and who will continue to need a service because there isn't another service across the country for victims of general crime. There's an excellent service there for sexual crime and domestic crime, which we would have dealt with also, but there's specific uh, services there which are very good. But for the general crime, for the assaults, the burglaries, there's nothing now. Yeah, I was going to ask you to give us a flavour over the years of the types of crimes and the types of people who have come looking for help after being victims of various crimes. Oh, gosh. There's thousands of them. So, I mean, you have you have a, a, a variety of uh, very serious crimes where people are left maimed, where people are afraid to go back into their homes after a burglary, where their lives have completely changed. Um, and it's, it's so varied, I just can't see Okay, so, so I, well, you've done very well, in fairness to you, Sally, because I know that in one particular case that we dealt with on air recently, Francis Costello suffered severe oh, burns Francis, to his face yeah. and scalp, lost his left eye after that brutal right. chemical liquid attack. I'm reading from the examiner this morning. He um, was, the, the guy who attacked him actually got, um, I think he got something like nine and a half year sentence in November for the attack back in 2022, John Paul Carey. But you've been working with Francis Costello after that chemical liquid attack, haven't you? Yes, right up to the court and we assisted him uh, with his victim impact statement. Francis is a lovely man and certainly didn't deserve what happened. And isn't that amazing because I remember listening to and reading his victim impact statement and I thought it was incredibly powerful and well structured. You were part of that process. We were part of that. They're his words and his feelings, but the structure of it would be where we would come in. So you have two full-time staff, but 15 volunteers. Volunteers would deem to be people who do it for free. Yes. And, yes. and would they all have different professional backgrounds that could help as volunteers? Give me a flavour of that. We have uh, nurses. We have a retired solicitor. We have, uh, I don't like categorizing people because every volunteer brings their own talent. Ex-Guardia, I would imagine also people involved in the yes, force like we yourself. We have, we actually have, yeah, we have. Uh, because bearing in mind now we cover Limerick Care, we did, Limerick Care, Waterford, Antiprairie. 
you dealt with so some hor- I- you have dealt with some horrific crimes against the elderly who were burgled and attacked in their own homes and have been living have. with PTSD, needing counselling, yeah. needing somebody to talk to, afra- afraid in their own homes. Since then, you've dealt with them. Well, yes, we have passionately. And that passionately is the word. And I'll tell you, my my biggest upset is like I hoped that this article would not go on air until after Christmas. Oh, well, I'm sorry, I wasn't aware. Yeah. No, no, it's not, it's not your fault, uh, because it's in the examiner. Um, look, it, it, I hope to spare them, because next Thursday we're having kind of a get-together for the volunteers and the service users, um, and the guards would come. So it was then we were going to tell them, you know, uh, and break it to them whatever way. I, I was dreading doing this, Neil. I'm I'm terribly upset uh, by how it's happening. And uh, there was nothing wrong with the organisation. I mean, we had two audits previously from the Department of Justice. Absolutely nothing found. Uh, we were compliant with our uh, chargeable regulatory authority with uploading our accounts into the company's registration office. No, nothing found. We wanted. Ev- no, no. No, no, to the best of our ability. But our our main focus, and I can't stress this enough, was on the people coming through the door and okay. who looking for help. Okay. Uh, Sally, I'd love to finish this conversation directly after 11 o'clock, but I hope you can spare me another one or two minutes just to uh, bring it to a proper conclusion. I hope you can hold on and I'll come back after 11, but I'd love to get people's thoughts on it. Do you remember earlier when I told you about this war chest that we have, two and a half billion that has come in in surpluses because we've got windfall taxes because many businesses are returning capital gains tax and they're returning corporation taxes and PRSI and PAYE. So we've got an extra two and a half billion two and a half billion extra this is the war chest and that they would shut down a service like this that is so needy to so many people not just in Cork but across many southern counties I think it's actually criminal in itself text 086 8104 106 text 086-8104-106. back after 11 Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818 104 106. Cork's Red FM. I have a statistic up to uh, 30th of December 2020, and that said that 1,800 people reached out for the assistance of victim impact statements alone from the voluntary organisation Support After Crime Services. This has just helped people to go through a court setting that they never would have been in before, but they're a victim of crime and they have to go to court. So, Sally, if that figure was 1,800, three years ago, you're certainly well past over 2,000 people who've shared their experience, their devastating crimes with you over the years. Yes, indeed, Neil. And that that number would increase because for most people, uh, a victim impact statement is required or is needed. They're offered to uh, do it. So we, it would be, they would come to us, we would have got to know them and um, we would kind of know how it has impacted them, but it's their words, their feelings, but we help them form it. And are they, do they, do they get great solace out of a victim impact statement? I mean, is it healing for them? Oh, very much so, because uh, a victim impact statement can only be used once the person is found guilty or pleads guilty. Now, if they have to go through a trial, 
they have an opportunity for their voice to be heard. But if there's a guilty plea, they don't have any opportunity to be heard. So the victim impact statement affords them that opportunity. So wh- a fabulous yeah. situation. Where are all of these individuals that you're working with now and those in the future supposed to go for this aid and support? I I don't know, Neil. I don't, and that really upsets me to my heart. Um, I I don't know what the department intends putting in place, but I could say to you that it's only my own opinion that we were the only service doing uh, this type of delivering this type of service in Ireland. There's a helpline which is operating out of Dublin. Uh, but there is no other service in Ireland doing what we were doing. And I think uh, the Victims Charter was launched by the Minister for Justice last year, late last year, or early this year. Does, she know, anything, sure. does she know anything about this, that this really I is impacting, know. and I, it's a gut blow to victims of crime? It's grateful for them. Because the service has never been more in demand and we have felt as if we weren't being honest with people by telling them that we were winding up because we didn't want to do that until we had them almost through the process. So so there's still a lot more victims there. So some, you you don't have to respond to this, but it would strike me that some anonymous bureaucrat within a government department decided to just draw a red line right through you. You mightn't be too far wrong. (laughs) But that's your whole life work. It is. It is. It is. It's it's like a grief because I love the work and uh, I love meeting the people and I loved helping the people as did uh, Sharon in the office and, and Trina laterally who came in last year. So it was, it's like something is taken away from you. It's okay. like losing a baby. Really. At, at a time when they've found a two and a half billion euro windfall of money that they're trying to come up with ways to spend. It's a war chest that's been there. Two and a half billion. I read out a list of um, and this is more to do with local government a list of hundreds of thousands of euros spent over the last three or four years on overseas trips. They're off now to check out cycle lanes in Utrecht. I mean <laughs> like you, you may well you may well laugh at it but it's, it's, an, it's, a, it's, no. a, it's, a, it's a shocking Indictment, really, of the of the. I mean, do any TDs know anything about this? I didn't go near them. Well, let me because uh, let's see if there's. Any, I mean, I don't know if this is too late to reverse out of Donegal Irish Sinn Fein TD for Cork South Central. I certainly will also be trying to track down a Fianna Fáil or a Fianna Gael TD. But Donegal, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, uh, good, thank you. I know you stepped out of something, so I do appreciate it. Are, are you aware of the work of Support After Crime? I am, I am, but this was the first day I've, I've heard in relation to a cut to funding, um, so that's obviously very worrying. Like, look, traditionally, the, the justice system, I suppose, hasn't really prioritised the victims of crime. They've often felt very excluded in terms of support hearings, in terms of support afterwards. That has improved a little bit in recent years, but there's a long road to travel. But services such as uh, support after crime uh, are so important, really, because you can't, like, it's not right that people who suffer violent and all sorts of different crimes are um, left so marginalised by the justice system. Is so it I any wonder that people feel that the criminal seems to be always prioritised over the victim? Here's a typical example of it now. 
Yeah, yeah, no, like I, I can definitely understand that. Like, look, I mean, as I say, traditionally the the victim wasn't really the focus at all. I think an awful lot more work needs to be done to ensure that the victim is, uh, I suppose, at the heart of everyone's intentions. Um, look, I, as I say, this is the first I've heard of this cut of funding. It's very, very worrying. Um, I, uh, I'm happy to pick it up afterwards um, and to see what assistance I can give and to try and ask the department uh, to try and. Uh, provide a bit of space for the issues to be resolved and to try and get a resolution here because, look, I know the service is providing very important services to an awful lot of people. There's an awful lot of people very grateful uh, for their support in their time of need in some of the hardest times of their life. Um, so I think it's very important that that the service keeps going. Um, so I'll pick it up whatever way I can. I suppose the, the, the dial is finishing up today, um, but if I can get directly in contact with the Minister for Justice by whatever means I can, um, then I will do that. And would would somebody like the Minister for Justice listen to an opposition TD spokesman as you are? Would they listen? Occasionally, like I would hope. Anyway, like I mean, look, I mean, I suppose we we, we we've had our differences, obviously, in in recent times. But I mean, I suppose you would hope that the minister for justice listens to reason and understands the importance of services like that, regardless of who's coming to them. Like I mean, obviously, if people from the government can offer their assistance and support as well, that would be welcome. So, like I mean, I would just hope that the department listens to the concerns that are there, recognises the importance of the service and uh, provides space and time for the issues to be resolved okay. and to ensure that the service is going. Okay. But I'm happy to pick it up afterwards if you want to put us in contact and um, you can pass on my telephone number. I, I certainly will do that. Thank you, Donna Collier, Sinn Féin TD. We're also uh, endeavouring to track down Fiona Fall and, uh, and Fiona Gale TDs on Lee side, and that will happen. W- would you be optimistic that if there's a political intervention in this, Sally, it could be reversed? I don't know, Neil. Um, I, I suppose, to be honest with you now, I'm at retiring age. We've put down a very stressful year with this going on. Uh, one of our employees has procured employment, um, other employment. So I I don't know. I, if it's not us, I hope something similar will be put in place for people because it's, it is a disgrace. If you think there you mentioned in favour of the criminal, how much does it cost for, for, through free legal aid to take one offender through the court system, through appeals, through adjournments? I would uh, love right to know that down. figure. I would love to know it. I would. I'd love to know it too. And, you know, like victims don't choose to be victims. They become victims uh, by the choice of the offender so it is very difficult uh, to to understand it because I I don't know, we're just devastated I mean I'm I'm happy to kick some ass on this one but if you're saying to me that your time has come and it will be a good time for you to step down that's that's shining a kind of slightly different light on it help me help me with that or or maybe take some time to to think it over you know before people maybe try and see if they can reverse it right i i honestly the last year has been hugely stressful i'm not getting any younger i am at retirement age and beyond it actually but nevertheless it was my passion and whatever happens, if it's not me, I'm sure somebody else will fill my shoes and be able to deliver a service as well. All I want is to ensure that there is a service that's going to be there for the people when they need it. 
Uh, it's awfully. I'm, I'm raging. I'm it's raging. Very sad. I'm just raging over it for for yeah. su- for such important work and in the scheme of government funding, 155 grand. Don't get me wrong; it's a life changing amount of money. But for the work that you do, it's a drop in the ocean. Well, you see, by by dropping our numbers, which was done purposely, was to say we were not value for money. Let's 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 see um, let's see what our what our, our our local Cork TDs have to stay on say on the matter. I'm, I'm cognizant of the fact that you're saying this year has been very difficult on you and the staff. You personally, you know, you're as Phyllis says, past retirement age, and you're thinking it would be nice for somebody else to take it over. Um, I, I understand that, and perhaps we can endeavour to navigate through that that aspect of it. But when when do the doors actually close? The doors close on the 31st of January. Okay. And okay. we have to dispose of all our office equipment, furniture, and anything we have in the office to another charity. So if there's another charity out there listening who could do with some uh, top-notch furniture and equipment, we would be glad if they would avail of it. That's so But sad. I'd like also to take the opportunity, Neil, to thank you and all your media colleagues for creating the awareness and giving the acknowledgement to the service over the years. We've sent people, we've sent people your way, Sally, over the years. You have, you have, you have, you have. And to the guards for the wonderful work they do with victims. And I think it's not until you become a victim that you realise the work the guards do. And to the court service and to all the other stakeholders who uh, referred people to us and who we worked alongside. It has been a pleasure. But most of all, to those who used the service and confided in us and who we were in a position to give a little help to, to make a small change in their lives. Sounds to me as if you're saying your goodbyes this morning. (laughs) I, yes, it would have saddened heart, Neil. All right, Sally. All right. Okay, let's see what the coming days and weeks bring. Uh, I don't know whether I get an opportunity to speak to this side of Christmas. If not, I know the circumstances are difficult, but I hope you have a good Christmas nonetheless. Thank you, Neil. And you too. Thank you. Okay. Sally Hanlon from uh, Cork-based Victims After Crime, Victims of Crime Services, to shut their doors at the end of January. Uh, I don't know what kind of a country we live in anymore. I really and truly don't. Um, I'll take a quick call then, take an ad break if you don't mind. Uh, I hope I hope that we manage to uh, get some um, uh, government TDs uh, involved in this conversation because they be hanging their heads in shame um, that a bureaucrat... Actually, maybe it's so early, this is a bureaucratic decision maybe that nobody knew anything about, I think. Perhaps that could be the way to describe it. Chrissy, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I, I believe that you were, is it true that you were, no, actually, tell, tell your own story, never mind about me, go ahead. You were, a, you you were, an, early, you were an early you volunteer, ahead. weren't you? I was, and I was a volunteer with victim support before it was, um, you know, re, rearranged as a, a service for... Support after crime. Yeah. No, we're sorry, yeah. you know? Yeah. But, like, I was shocked this morning when I heard it was being discontinued. Because look, okay, no matter what what your organ you're involved in, no matter what association or what club, voluntary or otherwise, you will never please everybody, and nobody is perfect, do you know? But like there was so much, I saw so much good being done in 
the years I was with them, victim support wound up as such, as yeah. a, I think it is anyway, as, as, under the own format anyway. Yeah. And I was a volunteer with them for 14 years. Now, uh, when the office opened, it was actually the first week that was opened and for a number of months until Sally was appointed as um, the regional director, Charlotte and myself ran the office uh, and we, we, you know, we did, a, I think, a good service. With I'm the sure you did because it, 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 it grew on the back whatever. of your work. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, do you know, then it looked as bumps and heights and hollows in every organisation. But, like, I would be out campaigning, now, even um, at uh, the advanced stage for to keep it. And I certainly will be writing a few letters and a few emails to people that might be able to do So something. you would have sat across from victims of crime back in the day then? I would. No, not. Maybe, look, there would always be two of us. And, look, one particular volunteer who is passed on to his reward now with Bill Murphy... And I would kind of several times, a bill would have skills and um, qualifications that I wouldn't have at all. And I learned a lot from a lot of the other volunteers who would have training. No, I've done a lot of training over the years, okay, with all different organisations. And life teaches you more than any course will teach you anyway. It does, and common sense, like, yeah, and compassion, and a good listening ear. And, and um, that, uh, look, I think it's the service I would, that is definitely needed. And, do you know, like, I, I just wish them all the best going forward. And I know, I know. Maybe everybody has to, has to retire, but you just don't close the door without training somebody else and getting somebody else. Well, without a, without a dose. Your, yeah, yeah. Like, and look, Sally, there would be none better to pass on. Sally is more under our belt than many people. If it were reversible and Sally did decide that it was time for her to go, it would keep the business, the organisation running and an opportunity for her to hand it over to somebody else to to take up the reins, is what you're saying? Yes, of course, yeah. Yeah. No matter what you do. And also, after after crime, of course, and after a victim impact statement is helped with and the person goes to to court and they have to be there for the court case of, you know, what happened to them and they read their victim impact statement and things like that. Of course, it it doesn't end after that. You could be equally even more traumatised after the court case, couldn't you? Yeah, and they're the big cases, but it's the little ones. And I've experienced a few myself on the way. And, like, even just was it two years ago now probably that uh, a bit of money was stolen from me in town could have been a lot more if I hadn't so much to pay insurance and the thing and all they could take was if you have a bundle of notes in a bag or whatever if you put your hand in and quickly take them you won't get the whole lot you'll just get the top three or four do you know Yeah. and like what meant an awful lot to me that time was when Sergeant Stone rang you know how he was doing and kept me informed, even though there was no, you know, there was no... Um, Stayed in touch all the same. Didn't right? find who did it, but yeah. it was just the fact that somebody cared enough. Yeah. And even that bit, and that's what I found with, um, you know, people along the way with my time with victim support as well. It was, okay, you could go out to maybe 10, you'd visit 10 people. And none of them would say, oh, I'm fine, but I'm glad you called us. And I'm not glad you called us at all. Well, you did house calls but as like well, did you? Did one, you do house calls as well? The other, 
the, the one out of the ten would be the one that would be worth doing 20 calls for, if yeah. you know what I, I do mean. know what you mean, yeah, yeah. Sorry to it's hear that you were a victim like of... That was sorry to hear you were a victim of a crime, a victim of robbery like that. Awful. Ah, look, it was a lesson to me anyway, sure, the family with the boys were always telling me, do you know, it was a bit careless. But it wasn't. Anyway, look, all the best to Sally and all the best. And look, I certainly will be writing those emails and those letters. All right, mind yourself. Happy Christmas to you, Chrissy. Thank you. Okay, and look, thanks you got me. Yeah, and thanks for your help too with my plumbing. Delighted. I'm a plumber now as well, am I? Delighted to hear it. Okay, whatever I helped you with, you're welcome with it. Uh, Paddy Deneen, independent councillor for the city. I think everyone's caught on the hop with this, are they, Paddy? Nobody, there was no forewarning of this. Yeah. No form or first I've heard of this um, and I think it's an absolute disgrace, Neil. Absolute disgrace um, that, that this is happening. And we need we all need to do our best though, to get this back, to keep the service and, and to get that funding reinstated. Absolutely, from 31st of January. Um, isn't it amazing that so little money in the scheme of things could help so many people on an annual basis, you know? And, and the vast it's, majority it's, of people are volunteers. <sighs> Yeah, it's it's a fraction it's a fraction of what of what the justice system costs in this country, and and I've been saying this for 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 many many months now, and I, as you know, I'm the vice chairman of the Joint Policing Committee as well, and I've raised this on numerous occasions. I think the justice system in this country has gone haywire. I, I do firmly believe that crime pays in Ireland, and this is something that needs to be reversed quickly and as quickly as possible. Um, I'd love to get the figure and I hope to endeavour to get the figure on say for instance uh, free legal aid and the amount of money that's spent on that because this would be a drop in the ocean that we put aside on an annual basis to help the victims of the crime you know do you know what I mean it would it would I, I always I'm, yes I Yes, I, I feel that the the justice system leans towards the perpetrators of crime as opposed to the victims, you know, and this is something that is that needs to be highlighted immensely, I think, throughout Ireland. And it certainly needs to be, for Cork, it needs to be done. We cannot, we cannot afford to lose a service like the Victim Support Group. Okay. And I will be writing to the Minister, outlining my shock and horror, asking her to, to if she can, to, or if she, of course she can, is to reverse reverse this decision, and I will CC in the Michal um, Martin, Michael McGrath, and Simon Coveney also our car TDs okay. because they need to get their finger out on this one. I'll have calls into them as well. Don't you worry about that. Thank you so much, yes. buddy. Do yeah. stay in touch. Thanks for now. Text eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Back after the break. The voice of Cork, Neil Prendeville, weekdays nine to midday. Uh, Cork's Red FM. Just listen to your interview with Terry Shannon and the way he thanked you for being so positive as always. <laughs> I don't think that was a genuine thank you. Anyway, uh, you know yourself you was being smart, don't you? Because you were holding him and the other spongers in the city council to account and you are right to do so. These elected politicians do not like being taken to task, you know. I really think it's comical that a man who admitted he doesn't cycle is heading out on a junket to see how another country's cycling network operates. Neil, it's really time to stop the jollies and for all of the team at City Hall and give their undivided attention to our housing crisis from the top of management down. If they really cared, they would do so. I'm fuming after listening to the interview and hearing the amounts of money being spent on trips to faraway places while people die in squats and on the streets here in Cork, City Hall should hang their head in shame. Best wishes to you and your team, Sir Siobhan Brannigan in Douglas. Keep those emails and texts coming. We'll return to everything else in the morning. And what I don't do today, I will do tomorrow. Um, can I just get back um, to, um, you know, stuff that we've been doing all week and that is involving our uh, paddy boxes because we're having an awful lot of fun talking to people. 
the four corners of the globe. Um, I think that tomorrow is probably the last opportunity for you to get an email into me to neil at redfm.ie to talk about a friend overseas. One one kind of thing that I'm noticing is some of our wonderful listeners overseas, Corconians overseas, are getting on to their buddies and pals and, um, you know, asking them also to get on board uh, on behalf of the expat overseas to get them a hamper, if you can follow my drift. And I think that might well be the case with Jacqueline Chantry in Denmark, if she's willing to confess. Jacqueline, good morning. Good morning. I hear you have been rounding up the troops on Lee's side to score you a hamper. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yes, yes. It, it may well have paid off for you. Where are you in Denmark? Um, I'm in a city called Aarhus. It's um, it's the Cork city of Denmark. It's the second biggest city. It's student, young st- city, vibrant. Yeah. A girl by the name of Maria got in touch. Maria's originally Spanish, um, now yeah. living in Galway. I'm kind of dizzy trying to follow her, but where where did you meet up with Maria? Was it in Denmark or Cork or Galway yeah. or where? Yeah, I was... Um, we founded an international mothers group and Maria's married to um, Paul. He's from Dublin. And we became friends and, yeah, then she left. She has two beautiful girls, Erin and Aurora, and they were friends with my girls, Cara and Roisin. And she went back home to Ireland and I stayed. She says, you're rocking it. You're rocking it in Denmark, speaking fluent Danish, rearing two beautiful girls, Roisin, age 12, and Kira, age, Cara, age 6. Is that right? That's right. That's yeah. right, yeah. yeah. What, do you do, what do you do there? Um, I'm actually a youth worker. So I work with teenagers from yeah, 13 to 18. And they come to us every day after school. And they're with us, yeah. Do you find it rewarding, that line of work? Yeah, I love it. And of course, Scandinavia, they're the best in youth work and childcare. So they have the systems in place. It's amazing. We could learn a few lessons from them, you're saying. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, are you, I hear you're a bit of a DJ as well, is that right? Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> do you, do you, are you out in the Danish club scene, are you? I am on festivals and I was home in um, October, so I played with Stevie when he did all the, the day in the black box. Oh, my God, with the great Stevie the G. Yeah. So I was home for, uh, for a week and... Um, Stevie heard I was home and I got on to him and I played that day for the Palestinians as well. Oh, well done. So when you yeah. get home, do you treat yourself and the girls to all sorts of beautiful cork treats? Yeah, and they're really upset because we were home October and we had no room for potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> so Everybody should have room for a few bags of potato in their luggage. No, it was tea bags or tato, and I picked I picked my tea bags. <laughs> Please tell me they're Barry's tea bags. <laughs> they are Barry's tea bags, of course. <laughs> oh my god! And do the girls love Cork? Do they have they got to know it? Have they seen any of the sights? Yeah, we uh, we were home the last time. We actually stayed in Cork, so I took them to Cove, and uh, we did the prison, and then we went to Cork on ice. So they got to see all their cousins. So, yeah. I think it'd be a wonderful thing right over there if I send you a paddy box, if I send you a paddy box, that you would maybe um, get some freshly cut bread, right, for some of your Danish friends, Irish yeah. butter, and make them a few tato crisp sandwiches. Yeah. What would you think Definitely. of that? Definitely. Yeah. Washed Definitely. down by some Barry's tea. Perfect. That'd be perfect what? for um, Christmas Eve. <laughs> so, what's Christmas Day like for you? I mean, they would be very traditional Christmas users in um, Denmark, wouldn't yeah, they? Yeah, this year, 
yeah, this year now we're, we celebrate on the 24th and they bring a tree in the middle of the room and you dance around the tree. <laughs> and um, they open all the presents because um, he's called Yuleman, Santa Claus. He comes on the 24th while you're at mass. So all the presents are under the tree. The tree. So it's not the same as the 25th. It's a totally different experience. So you don't wake up in the morning, rush downstairs for the presents. You come back from mass or out socialising and Santa Claus has already been on Christmas Eve. Yeah, exactly, on the 24th and you will eat dinner really late at like 9 or 10 and then the presents are given out by the youngest in the house will start by opening a present and then she picks a present and gives it to the next person and they open presents one by one and it goes for hours. <laughs> hours. That's <laughs> uh, fantastic. Have you a bit of turkey and ham though for Christmas Day? Um... We're going to have a little turkey breast because they eat duck on the 24th. So on the 25th, we'll have a, a little turkey breast with stuffing and some mashed potatoes and Brussels sprouts, but we don't do the big turkey ham. And how come after yeah. 20 years, you still have the most beautiful Cork accent? <laughs> I don't know if my family would say that. Ah, you do. You know you do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You You can't take the girl out of Cork. <laughs> <laughs> what part of Cork? Um, I grew up down in Ballinore, so I went to school in the Ursulines, and I think your sister was ahead of me in school in the choir. My sister Barbara or Eileen? Eileen, she was actually, I think, a few years ahead of me in the the orchestra. And that's what she went on to do for her life, uh, music and music teaching and playing. That's amazing. Isn't it? That's so good. Well, she'd be delighted to hear about you over in Denmark doing so well. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, born and reared on the Black Rock and my family's are the Cashman and the Aherns. So I think you would have known my grandmother was Chrissy. Oh, Chrissy Ahern, the ex-Lord Mayor. Yeah, so we're a good stock. <laughs> the best of it if you come from Chrissy Ahern. Oh, on yeah, the basis that you're, you're on the basis that you're the granddaughter of an ex-Lord Mayor, we'll certainly have to look after you, won't we? <laughs> I don't know if that's favoritism, but I'll take it. Yeah, well, listen, Roisin and Cara will thank me for it anyway, that's for sure. You can, yeah. you can invite me to their weddings or something, whatever, all right? <laughs> that's so, so fine. You come to Denmark. Don't! <laughs> okay, so this hamper will be delivered to you in Denmark with potato, cheese and onion, Barry's tea, Cadbury's dairy milk, Cadbury's purple snacks, Kimberly's Mikado's custard creams, curry sauce, Ballymaloo relish, big bottles of Tanora. The girls oh like Tanora? God. Yeah, yeah, spoiled. They'll be totally spoiled. Well, enjoy it, all right, and have a great, great Christmas. Um, anybody you want to say hello to? I mean, you gave a good shout out to Black Rock there a while ago. You're good to go. Yeah. You want to say hello to anybody? Yeah, to uh, to all my friends and to all my families and my nieces and my nephews and all my school friends. So, and everyone who came to see me in the summer. A lot of my friends came in the summer. So, and yeah everyone at home. And Maria who sent the email that got you the hamper. Yes, Maria and Paul and Erin and Aurora. Thank you so much. All right, okay. <laughs> How do you say Happy Christmas in Danish? Glel Yule. That's straightforward. Glel Yule. Glel Yule. Well, Glel Yule to you, Jacqueline. Camila Mahogan. <laughs> Slong of fall. Good luck to you and the girls. Right. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Talk.
to Neil Prendeville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Something very special, very spontaneous kicked off on breakfast this morning with Casey and Vic. And they called it uh, Tenor Thursday. And it just kind of came out of nowhere, right, Casey? It came out of a chat of um, kind of the urgency of us creeping up on the big day of Christmas. I thought... I don't know about anybody else listening. I thought we had this weekend, next week, another weekend. Oh, another, no, no, you're no, asleep. No. <laughs> Maybe up in Mayo they do. Here, here it's, it's Monday week. I know you actually go by calendars in Cork, but uh, we we look at the stars and which direction the goats are walking. <laughs> but but um, I was absolutely stunned that, you know, for, from the charity end of things and from the fundraising end of things, um, I mean, you know, we're going into a crucial week ahead and they really need all the help they can get like now because I mean next week is going to be chaos Yeah, it yeah, is yeah. how many hundreds of families thousands potentially are going to be out there um, you know that week leading up to Christmas uh, in a state of panic they don't have enough food they don't have enough toys they're prioritising Santa yeah. can only do so much and you know that's where we need to help Santa out I think yeah. uh, a lot of that and so we, we I just put it out there off the back of a chat this morning and we said let's call it 10 or Thursday Let's call it um, a day where, if you can, if you get a chance later on, donate a tenner to a, to a charity that you love or something you're affiliated with or something, you know, anything out, out of the blue, pick any charity and people start rolling in with... It could be St. Vincent de Paul, it could be Penny Dinners, it, it could, could be, be anything. Uh, the Lions Club, they all do great work. Bernardo's, all of these incredible charities that do do great work and uh, it just it started snowballing throughout the morning and we got messages from people all over Cork saying, I've gave to this charity, I've gave to that charity and, um, and then I read the letter on the front of the Echo and uh, we heard from Rob this morning. On the front of the Echo this morning, Rob, there was a story, and this is why Rob got in contact with us. Yeah. Uh, Katrina Toomey from Penny Dinners has been talking about a letter that she received from a little boy, and it read, Dear Santa, I'm writing to you because uh, I want you to know what I want for Christmas. All my friends have bikes, but I've never had a bike for a big boy. I had a bike when I was a little boy, but I've never had a big boy's bike. Um, that's one of dozens of letters that were dropped into Katrina Toomey. And then Rob messaged in and said, what, Rob? I have a brand new mountain bike at home that's never been used, and I gladly give it, give it to a penny dinner. Oh, oh, Rob, that is so nice. I have the lights in a packet that were never put on it, and everything does. Everything is there. There's even, there's even a price tag on the lights and everything. There's a lock. There's, everything is there for it. It's, I actually just put new wheels and tires on it recently. got the whole thing. It's been sitting in a shed for about six months, so I've decided a penny dinners can have oh, it. That's so nice. That will go to Santa, and Santa will deliver that bike then to some little boy or little girl. Thank you so much, Rob. You're very welcome. All right, take it easy. Love the show, guys. Take care. So that was the lovely Rob this morning. He himself is a chef with DePaul, who are a charity organisation. Now, there might be a bit of confusion between St. Vincent DePaul and DePaul. They're both separate organisations, but they, they kind of often meet in the middle and help each other out at various mm-hmm. events. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a charity for homeless people, and he's been, he's been doing some great work. And, you know, this is, this is the beauty of, of, of Christmas and the way people think. Even though he's with DePaul, he wants to help out Penny Dinners. Yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. offered that bike. And then more people got in contact with us saying they've got bikes and they'd like to you know uh, to donate them to, to Penny Dinners and, and help out with as much Katrina do you get many letters like that morning to you you know we do good morning Neil and I tell you why I think it's because um, 
a lot of the children that come like they call me auntie like and it's just so funny because I just I think it's easier for the parents to think like that I'm some sort of relative you know mm. and um, when when the kids come and uh, look one, one week just as a Santa I'm going to Katrina's place for Christmas she knows me all my life I seven will you give her my present please you know and because um, they will be that, having like, Christmas dinner mm. with penny dinners, they will, they will, yeah, they, will. they want their and, little and, gifts to be there and their presents from Santa, <laughs> so they can play with them at penny dinners. So exactly, and you know what? Like sometimes I just believe like that, um, the mums and dads can get so much, and they can kind of get what the child is actually asking for. And I think that, um, geez, I give her like we've one here now says, "Dear Santa, I don't want anything for Christmas, only a soccer ball and gloves." Shin and shin pads. I'm 11 and I joined a soccer club. I'm very proud of myself. My mum got me my clothes, you know. And, oh my God, um, isn't that heartbreaking? And the cost of it, change, change out of 30 okay. or 40 euro. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you know, and, you know, and I think it's just that they think that I, the kids think I know Santa because the, the mums or the dads love her. She knows Santa very well, you know, and tell her what, you know, and, and stuff and they do, you know. But do you and always they, manage they, they, to make it come true? I mean, like, somebody could come in, you have a second PlayStation on their Santa list, like, you're a snooker then, like. Do you know, like, the thing is, we, we would explain things, you know, to, to them as well, and kind of a lot of people would have PlayStation 3s and 4s that they don't want. Now, I know they'll all want the PlayStation 5, isn't it, and, uh, and stuff, but, like, do you know, the, the, the kids, the kids are great. Like you know, they don't, they don't care when. They That's get a great something. shout on on its own because I certainly have a couple of those, and you can gladly have them. The threes, the, the PlayStation yeah. threes and fours. I bet you they're all over the house. People have them everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. they're just sitting and, there. And, we discard them. You know, and like kids, kids are so, like we had an, another kid looking for an iPad because for his sister, and uh, he just um, you know there was a few things in it, but I, I kind of can't say the most. And um, he just not an iPad. A tablet. Yeah, yeah. It's a tab- yeah it a tablet. is a tablet, yeah. I know one is dear and one is cheap, just the cheaper one he asked for. And he just said like that, that's for his sister because they can communicate, you know. And can you so, can you uh, source gifts through Santa Claus every single time? You know, when we get these special, you know, cases like we do, sure, what can we do? Like, you know, you'd have to go and there's always someone like that will kind of help us. And um, everybody else is happy with a couple of toys, you know. And like we brought toys every morning for people to take as well, you know. And we'd like we'd get a lot of, I'd say, pound shop toys for one to another. Yeah, word, yeah, a lot of those. Yeah. But they're great stocking fillers for people, and they're so happy with them. And, and no, no matter what people get, they're very happy. But I, I mean, you know, some children just ask for something, and it may not be possible. So the, the parents might just to help try us like you know to see if it would be possible and will you have many and on Christmas day for dinner and what have you Christmas dinner well do you know uh, for our Christmas dinner now we have um, we, we have deliveries we have delivery drivers every year because you know people can't get to us yeah. no buses etc and all of that stuff and you know they come up from the country so Michael Turtle comes in with his team from exec cars and the army and the guards and a load of volunteers like are all you know they've been doing it year in year out but this year on our list alone we've over 400 dinners for deliveries just on Christmas so morning just on Christmas morning and like we've one guy that'll kind of do a round trip of around 200 kilometres he has two dinners to deliver that's his 
duty done and dusted for the day because that'll take a, a good length of time and not to keep him there's away from his family. There's some fierce logistical organisation involved in what you do, isn't there? There really and truly is. And then we'll have people that'll be coming in teas in the Karina Lee Centre and then we'll have all the takeaways then up at Penny Dinners. So there'll be like three operations going at the same time. People would prefer to come and take a takeaway and other people like to come and sit down and spend the morning with us because you know that we might be the only people they spend the okay. with. Are you, are you, and, con- are you continuing, yeah, Casey, with uh, t- t- this tenor Thursday? Is Absolutely. Like, I mean, we, we'll keep pushing people like tomorrow. Obviously, we're on the air tomorrow morning and then into next week. But I suppose, Katrina, from, from your side of it, what works for you in terms of what people can do? I mean, no, you'll never say no to cash donations, uh, but in terms of the foodstuffs that you need, um, you know, how can people help you out with that? Well, we'd be looking for um, biscuits and tins of sweets and um, selection boxes because they all went very, 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 very quickly, you know. I think they, 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 and we got loads in and they all went. So people are starting to bring them in now again, but we need a lot more. So like Christmas treats are always, it's Christmas, you know, and... Let's get it done. Let's get it done. Biscuits, a USA assorted in your afternoon tea boxes and stuff like that. Tins of sweets, your celebrations and your heroes and your roses and stuff like that. Uh, Selection boxes, the big Cadbury's ones, the Mars ones. Get them into you in Hanover Street, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, perfect. You know, and anybody know wants to drop to in a voucher for Smith's in. toys and things like that, you wouldn't say no to that. No, no. Do you know we say no to nothing really because there's always somebody wants it, and we found that out. Like you know, we might somebody might have something and it might be kind of a bit. It's a, oh jeez, I don't know. And then we say, look, we'll take it because, and sure enough, someone wants it. I see a hundred and fifty euro voucher coming in straight away. There, to give it to Katrina so she can go out and buy toys for lots of kids. He has three kids at home, and they'll have a very happy Christmas. But he heard the story this morning on Casey's show and was heartbroken. He'd love for other kids to have the same experience his own has. That's lovely, isn't it? I think Chris Lord actually standing by just a quick when he's a crazy monkey skate shop out in Douglas, I believe. Chris, good morning. Hi, good morning, guys. Thanks for holding. Well, hold, I won't hold you long. But what would you like to give to make a nice Christmas gift this Christmas? So look, it's just a small token, but we'd love to give uh, a skateboard and, uh, and a nice matching helmet as well uh, to, to some child uh, in need. Because I know my own children will have something under three this Christmas, but there's, there's plenty who won't. So um, uh, it's just nice to kind of give forward. That's good, and I hope that other follow on your lead. A skateboard and matching helmet for a child. What age group would that be? Uh, anything from, I suppose, uh, four to around seven or eight. I appreciate it. Much obliged to you. That's the Crazy Monkey Skate Shop there at the bottom of Donnybrook Hill, just across from St. Oh. Columbus School. All right, listen, K- Katrina, I, I, I'm always in awe of what you do. If nothing else happens from this conversation, the biscuits, the tins of sweets, selection boxes, the treats to be delivered to Penny Dinners on Hanover Street. And could I ask one more thing, Neil? We... um. We'll be opening up um, James Street on Christmas Day and and stuff. And is there anyone like that's good as you know with a Christmas tree and decor- that could actually do that for us? We haven't time. We're just strapped and we're going all hours of the day and night. What will happen and, um, on James Street? Have you? That's the, the, oh, I know that building. Oh, I think I saw it with you, didn't yeah, I? It's lovely. You did. And you know we have um, the High Hope Square will be entertaining everyone, but the Barrick Street Brass and Reed Band. 
every year they come down and you know like down over the years we've had you know the likes of Jack O'Rourke Karen Underwood Linda Cullen all of them Fintan Lucy the whole lot of them all in with us and you never know who's going to show up and we'll have Darren again on Christmas morning okay. entertaining people as well okay. so it's lovely We're, if there's anyone wants to come down and drop a nice Christmas tree we'd be more than happy well listen I know there's somebody listening would like to do that provide the tree yeah. and the lights and, and everything to go with it and yeah. let them get in touch with me 0868104106 uh, we'll chat again next week see how things are going Katrina alright Thanks. 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 She's unreal, Thank isn't she? You. She's incredible. She's, million, incredible. she's just worth a million dollars. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. All right, so you're going to continue with it. Um, it's a real eye opener, isn't it, when you get uh, it a, a is. letter like that from a child? It just, like, I mean, that, that, that letter on the front of the Echo this morning, like when I read it, I, you know, as I was reading it to Vic, I mean, I could see her well up, you know, because I think anybody with children, you put yourself into that situation, into the kids' perspective as well. They just want a bit of joy. Yeah. That's all they want. Yeah. Okay. Look after yourself, my man. Thanks Thank for you. that. He's going to continue to drive that on and breakfast so make sure you're listening in the mornings that's uh, KC from KC and the Sunshine Band I want to say thank you to the Rendezvous on the Model Farm Road we're delighted uh, that they were delighted because I mentioned their super food on the air last week and it is cracking and they got a, I haven't eaten it but I've seen the menu and it's a winner they dropped us some lovely hot sandwiches to read this morning for lunch so thank you for that uh, and thank you also for the brownies. Uh, they've got a big Christmas jumper fundraiser for Marymount on Thursday the 21st, if you could support that. Uh, the staff at the rendezvous on the Model Farm Road. For all of the business, my apologies. I'm going to have to pick it up in the morning. And uh, we're just thinking out loud as we go. Certainly the biscuits and the sweets and the, you know, the tins of bits and selection boxes, all that kind of thing. Please, if you can, get them to Penny Dinners. Replenish the supplies because they've run out of them. If anybody else wants to get involved between now and say, uh, you know, tomorrow week, by way of a voucher or any kind of thing like that. Not a physical toy, because I can't take physical toys here. But if you feel you'd like to help, I'll make sure that everything is passed on uh, to Penny Dinners. If you want to get it to me, I can get it to them. I'll talk some more about that in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.